Hello, and welcome to episode 29 of the Third Space Podcast, entitled Teleporting Refrigerators. Another interesting title. What could it mean? Well, in this case, it's a fairly unsymbolic title. We really do talk about refrigerator-sized devices that can teleport people. Particularly, what would the world be like if we invented that sort of technology? Would the world improve? Would all of our lives get immensely better? Would it turn into a horrible dystopia? And how would you obtain the best chicken sandwich? All of these important questions and more are considered. But first, we have a long-awaited superpowers and drawbacks. We had a multiple episode gap between the last one and this one. I won't spoil what the superpowers and drawbacks are in this introduction. Instead, I'll just let the episode begin. Enjoy! The third rock from the sun in third space. Here we are. That's I like how you tied that together with which rock uh, we're on one. from the sun. Just a spinning ball rock. Wide <laughs> which world. Which rock are we on? The third. third. Which space are we in? The third. So keep it, it simple. Connected. Yeah, I liked it. It was clean. Mnemonic device, sort of, to just kind of. <laughs> Remember, you know, if you if you ever are not sure which rock we're on, you can be like, wait a second, we're in third space, so uh, da, 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 that's a one, two, three, third space, third rock. Yep, yep, third rock. Third. If you forget which podcast you're on, listening as well, to, then right? That goes, that works. Then you can put tie it all together. That's how we uh, that's how we solve problems is we make those connections in our brain. So yeah, yeah, pretty good, pretty good stuff. What have you uh, What have you been up to lately? Uh, winding up school. Um, winding and so down or winding up? We're winding down. I suppose winding down school. Yeah. School's winding up. It's winding weird. down. Yeah, you could use either <laughs> one, right? It's kind of like flammable and inflammable. Yeah, if it's flammable. Wait, inflammable. If, if it's flammable, yeah. then it's, you know, it'll catch on fire. And if it's inflammable, it'll also catch on fire. So. Okay, let me ask you this. When you want to make the room cooler, do you turn? what do you do to the air conditioning? Yeah, that's, that's that's exactly you, what we're talking about. You turn it down, do you turn it up? or do you turn it up? Do you turn it up so that it comes on, its function yeah. increases, or do you turn the temperature down so that turn it turn the temperature cooler? down? I think you turn the air conditioner up. I suppose if you say air conditioner, you have to say up, but if you say temperature, you say down. Yeah. But that, I mean, so often it's like it's hot in here. We turn the AC up, or we turn the AC down. I don't know. Like both, both I understand to mean make it cooler in here. It's not like you actually go wait. Wait, make it hotter. I mean, you will know. you interact with the air conditioning, please? <laughs> I need to do that. Yeah, when no. someone asks me, will you turn the AC down? I go, yeah. And then I essentially turn it off so that it gets hotter. And they're like, oh, yeah. man, it's so hot. Oh, you said turn it down. So I turned You literally the said down. turn it down. No, uh, school is winding down up or up down. Um, winding and away. It's, it's winding away. And. Each school year seems to be, there's this sort of manic rush for teachers to, you know, we're proctoring exams, but also we have to get our grade book in order to get any of those final grades in while grading your exams. But then you'll hit this point where you finish the grades and all of that's taken care of. And then you have like a week. And that week is some winding up down meetings. It's, um, it's slow. It's like, it's weird to go so fast and have all of this I will call it stress and like it feels really important and you have a short time frame and turnaround and then all of a sudden you have a week 
and you gotta go celebrate the seniors and do baccalaureate and do honors night and do the commencement and do the signing of the this that and the other and all of that's fine and not only fine i i think it's good but um it's just it's an interesting time of year in which i have a lot of hours uh, obligated to the school mm-hmm. but i don't have a lot of um what i would say is, is important pressing no well pressing work where it feels purposeful and right. it feels it just it actually feels like maybe <laughs> this might sound arrogant but maybe some people's regular job feels this where where my next week's gonna feel yeah. like yeah you just like have where to i exist. just go you yeah just go to... and be there and do a few things show up in meetings and like you know do little things like yeah. check some boxes to make sure uh, i close the blinds at the end of the year and <laughs> turn right. the ac off (laughs) yeah (laughs) that kind of thing though like you get checklists that and and, you know and uh i actually i don't know if i've said this on here but i've got a promotion so i'll get an office i will be uh, an academic dean so i'll get an office so i gotta figure out like uh, all the things like go through my filing cabinet and throw anything out that needs to be thrown out all the like little stuff that you don't look at for years and years and years in an office or in a classroom or mm. a desk and every drawer and like empty it out and that's gonna not be fun so. well, i'm glad you t- you're taking my advice and you're you know getting out of the classroom or at least you're getting off of the front lines so that you know when the robots come you won't be dispensable immediately Make way for the robots. Because I'll be you'll, managing the robots. Right. Now. There'll probably be a period of a year or two um, where you're the admin, you know, over some robot teachers. And, and then, of course, you'll have a robot admin take replace you. Eventually. But I've delayed, you know. Yeah, you've, I've, you've delayed that a little bit. <laughs> I'll be teaching next year, clearly, too. Or to be clear. A little bit. Uh, a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Two classes or so. Oh, okay. But yeah. So that's, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's nice. So, and then you'll basically you'll have the summer to just kind of ruin all uh, all routine and order uh, that's that you plan. that you've accrued throughout the year, <laughs> and live as hedonistically as possible uh, until the next school year starts back up. I actually good. hope to plan. I plan to like. Well, this is all the best laid plans. Go to rest in a hell in a handbasket highway, <laughs> something like that. But. I have plans to maybe work out twice daily. Uh, I haven't. So I'm saying this out loud. I haven't. I haven't committed this to myself because if I do commit it, I'm really gonna try. But work up, wake out, work, work up, wake out, wake up, work out, and then in the evenings, you know, just do it do again. It again right? um, like these little high intensity interval training, twenty minute things, and that'll keep me orderly and get two nice workouts in and all of that. And then actually read. Like every year during the school year, I don't read much, and that makes me sad. Like I'm a I'm an English teacher, and teaching reading gets in the way of my reading, mm-hmm. and so the summers when I can rediscover my love for reading and build up my what I don't know what you're gonna call it, but attention span or ability to sit there. Like right now, if I picked up a book, I in in about forty five minutes or even half an hour, I would be. Uh, pretty much had my fill i'd be like i'd start to zone out and wouldn't be able to read for much longer but you know give me a month and i'll be reading for three hours without looking up so it's interesting how that's a, almost like a muscle you have to flex mm, yeah speaking of you, m- muscles and working out like when if you do a workout in the morning in the evening are, are you supposed to continue to work out after your muscles are sore or are you supposed um, to wait until they uh recuperate essentially 
Well, I usually actually work out a different part of the body. So what, what hit, depending on what exercises you do. So I'll do a leg one in the morning. And hits weird where it, I feel exhausted. The idea of high-intensity interval training is that you do this intense workout and it burns calories for much longer than the 20 minutes. Like if you have these hour-long workouts or two-hour-long workouts, the rest is built in and you're resting for maybe two minutes here, maybe maybe even a whole five-minute break in there somewhere. Um and you might drag out, like, you know, you do, like, you must do 15 reps of this, and then you do three circuits, and in between you take a two- or three-minute break. Hit is, like, don't count the reps. You have 50 seconds on, 10 seconds off. We're going to go five loops through that, and then take, you know, 30 or a whole minute in between a loop or something like that, and do the loop five times. I don't know. So it'll end up being 25 minutes of pure exhaustion. And, yeah, my legs will not be... It's usually not heavier weights. It's usually lighter stuff, or even no weights and just body weight. And and I don't, I I feel exhausted by it. But I don't. I'm not answering your question at all. I just then in the afternoon do like arms or shoulders or back or something like that. Right. I'm just wondering because like whenever I um you know do some uh exercising, like have some d- dumbbells and I'll just do curls or whatever, um or do a bunch of push-ups or something. And then you get sore the next day if you do any, you know, any significant amount of exercise, right. you get sore. And, you know, if you try, at least for me, I do best when I get into a regular routine. And so if I think, okay, I'm going to exercise every day, but if I'm sore, then it's like, should I exercise right now? Because it kind of hurts. And, you know, I don't know. I don't think you should exercise when it hurts, really. Uh, like, it not hurts in the way that it's like, oh, yeah, I can feel it burning those calories or whatever, getting right. ripped. That's not how it is. It's like, it's like this is painful. This really needs recovery. In yeah, a way that, in recovery you know, I should wait until my muscles heal. Um, and, and that just really puts a, a, a barrier to the regular routine sort of thing. Um, well, that's a good question. I mean, I've been working out regularly for a while. So after about a month of regular working out, because I, I don't feel sore anymore. Um, now, sometimes if I get a new workout or a routine or a, not a routine but a, an exercise introduced and it's like oh this is pulling at this muscle in a way I haven't quite done before then it'll be a little sore but the recovery scene I think you're right the recovery is huge it's just as important as um, actual the actual workout I would guess that you need to let your muscles recover because if you just fatigue them if you worked out seven days a week two days two times a day two hours like I don't even think bodybuilders they like take days off for the reason, because that's the best thing to do for their body. Right. So yeah. I don't know about how rest, uh, but I do know that like what I'm doing in 20 minutes, even though I'm sweating and panting and it feels really good for me, I am not alarmed to do another 20 minute one eight or nine hours later. It just doesn't, I can read my body fairly well, right? I, I believe in that. I believe we can just read our bodies and go, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. And I think I'm not inaccurate or I'm not way off there i could be maybe but i just don't think so No, i mean i think you're right about that and certainly when you're doing cardio well it's not like you get very sore after that depending on what you do but you know if you're running or playing tennis or riding a bike or whatever then you don't really get that sore afterwards so that's one thing but weightlifting is different and you get sore Actually, that's where I like. It's funny you say that because I was just thinking. Well, I don't know. Like if you, if I haven't run for a while and I go out for a run the next day or even three, I'll be like, oh, I can feel that. But I like where I'm at because whether it's it, like 
if I if I did push-ups to exhaustion right now, let's say it's 50, I don't know how many I could do, but like, I mean, you know, just qu- quivering, like absolute exhaustion, I would not feel that tomorrow. But, but like, well, it sounds like I'm bragging here. I'm not, it's just an interesting place to be. Like a lot, most people would be if they went and did push-ups until exhaustion. They would just be like, even the next day they'd be like, oh, I can feel that in my arms. I am like achy. Um, I'm just not right. I'm not there. I'm like, I'm not going to be that sore. So um, that's an interesting place to be. I like it. I like it. It makes me feel good. Yeah. I almost don't believe you uh, because like, it seems like if you were to do push-ups until shaky exhaustion, then almost by necessity, you will you know, that's your muscles reaching their limits, uh, and you would be sore from that. Usually my workouts, I can't do, like, I'm watching the video of the guy doing it, um, and, and I can't always quite keep up, and I will be like, dizzy isn't the right word, because it sounds dangerous, like, I've overexerted, but, but it'll be like, you know, right at the, the last one, it's like these resistant bands, resistance bands, and I'll just drop them, and I'll be like, ah, ah. Like I'll be, I'll be really like panting and making <clears throat> obnoxious sounds. <laughs> yeah, sure, but that's you know that's different than like muscle fatigue. I'm gonna right? try that when we're done with the podcast. I'm gonna do as many push-ups as I can. I'll tell you the number don't, and how I feel the next day. Yeah, and don't don't stop when you're panting, exhausted yeah, because that's yeah. different. Do it until like when I collapse, like I it, can't. I'm pushing. You, and, yeah. So what do you know? Twenty push-ups. And then, you know, stop and catch your breath or whatever, and then do 20 more, and then stop and catch your breath, and then do 20 more until you just can't anymore um, and see if you're sore the next day. Uh, I really will try that because I was not going to work out today, so I can just do that if, if you remind me. I'd like to know, too, because I my hypothesis is the next day I won't be – I think I'll be able to say, oh, like, I yeah, – I, yeah, I don't think it'll hurt much i think i'll know that i did push-ups like i'll feel a little weaker slightly but i will not have anything i don't know we'll see we'll see yeah i'm, I'm interested to hear that I and mean, i don't know for sure if you can acclimate yourself to the point where you can work your muscles to exhaustion and not feel it later because it, it seems almost like that goes hand in hand well, yeah, you're right. So, um, but well, I'll, I want to find out now. Also, side note, it's like I eat really poorly on the weekends, but I eat routinely like, pretty boring food during the week, like healthy-ish. I'd say just yeah, healthy. Um, but I've gotten to where so if I do a workout on the weekend, or that first one on Monday after eating poorly, man, it's like that fuel. It feel, the the sweat feels different. Uh, it feels gross. Um, I feel tired like I feel fatigued in a different way than I do when I'm you know on like a Thursday and I've been eating routinely pretty good so it's just funny how uh it's what I imagine like okay let's say the healthy person can run for 20 minutes and be a little winded and the fat person can run for two minutes and be a little winded even at the same winded mark I think the fat person is having a much more miserable experience than say the clean sweat of a of a you know, well-oiled machine body versus just this like wreck of a machine that the, the fat person is. I mean, no, I'm just right. I don't think that they're they're panting and their heartbeat. Okay, I guess you'd measure it at heart rate when their heart rate is elevated to whatever it would be. Um, yeah, I think the fat person's miserable, and I think the the healthy person's like just having a different experience. Well, yeah, I think you know, I think you're right about that. I mean, a, a fat person, you know, their body is gonna you're going to have to do different amounts of work 
even to get to the same you know heart rate level or whatever and your joints are going to be undergoing different stresses and you know your tendons and muscles they're all going to have to be doing different things than a person who's in good shape um and not to mention there's the psychological aspect to it and yeah that's a big factor you're probably right about that too just person in shape is like yeah here it is i like this and you know um the fat person would be like i've been trained to avoid this psychologically right. like stop 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 what are you doing um but i guess i'm also saying the fuel i'm assuming the fat person in this scenario eats poorly and um isn't yeah, it strange so to think that it, it's kind of a i guess it's not a paradox but it's just strange to think that a fat person when you talk about fuel oh they have so much fuel they have an insane amount of fuel it's like you know, it's like a, a, a pickup truck with a giant gas tank in the bed of the truck. And, it you know, the truck can power its engine from its regular gas tank and this huge additional gas tank. Yeah. And a fat person, like, yeah, they have the energy from all the food that they just ate. But they also have the energy of 100 extra pounds of stored fat. Like, they have so yeah. much energy. But it's weird because, you know, they don't use that energy generally and they become exhausted more quickly and so on it's just kind of a strange it is funny they should be going longer and and more because they have more energy is the thought huge (laughs) energy reserve saved up and ready to use it's kind of unfortunate that it's so hard to use make use of that energy so what happens really if you take the uh, an in-shape person and a fat person and you know they're the same age and a lot of other factors are similar and you starve them. I mean, is the fat person really going to live like two weeks longer or something like that? They, they get plenty of water, let's say. Yeah, the fat person uh, does way better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's obvious, right? I guess they just have something to pull from and they uh, do, do way better. Um, how do they do? They don't. If you gave if you gave an in-shape person 100 pounds of food and, and the fat person's 100 pounds overweight, um and and the fat person can eat nothing, and the <laughs> the in shape person can eat this hundred pounds of food. I think they would do better. Well, yeah, because there's some. <laughs> well, yeah. it seems so obvious. I mean, it's obvious, right? Hundred pounds of food would last you quite a while. Who who's gonna starve first? You know, right. the fat person with no food, or who's a hundred pounds overweight, or the the in shape person that gets a hundred pounds of food. Yeah, well, there's nutritional components in the food that, um, you know, the fat person starving wouldn't wouldn't get that the person eating food would so that's a that's a difference and then the fat person also like your body can metabolize all of that fat stored fat and that's all well and good but your body also when it needs energy it breaks down your muscles and other tissues as well if you're starving um and so before fat i've heard something like that uh well i mean your body tries to prioritize you know in ways that aren't damaging but if you're starving then your body uses what it can get and you're and you need certain proteins to carry out your bodily functions so your body's going to start breaking down muscle tissue muscle and other tissue to get the protein you know you can't use fat stores for that so yeah um so that's the that's the that's why starvation that's why no matter how fat you are you can still starve uh right it's not like you get skinny and then and then you start on the normal path towards starvation yeah not that yeah, it's not. I like to think of it that way, but yeah. Uh, well, yeah. If you have even a tiny uh, amount of food and nourishment, then you know if you're fat, you can last. You can last a while, but yeah. <laughs> huh. 
Well, that was random. That was random. I have a, uh, a le- how about this? How about we do uh, superpowers and drawbacks? It's been a long yeah. time. Yeah. It's been. My, it's a fan favorite. Uh, yeah. I, I imagine. I think so. Maybe. Maybe someone hey, likes fan, it. Hey, fan, is this your favorite? I'm a, f- I'm a fan of it, so. I'm a fan of it, too. Then that's I'm two fans. Show, that's, so, yeah, there we go. Yeah, 100%. 100% fan favorite. Fan favorite. I request it, so it's fan requested. Um, I like it. I'm in the mood for it. All right, it's been a long time since we did one, and so we're going to uh, we're going to reintroduce superpowers and drawbacks in the spirit of superpowers and drawbacks with a power level of one. Ooh, a one. One out of ten. So you're going to give me two superpowers, two drawbacks. I I choose one of each, and then would I actually go for it and keep it? That's right. Yep. In yep. order to get one of the superpowers, you must take one of the drawbacks, uh, or you have to just walk away. So. Uh, without further ado, the first superpower that you can potentially get is called smellopathic. So this one is uh, using smellopathy, you can make you can make anyone think that they smell a certain smell. So you start with only the ability to make other people smell uh, the smell of ravioli, but with intense training, you can learn other smells. And you can make them think they smell that whatever smell. So what do you mean intense training? So to to learn a new smell for your smell apathy, you have to meditate daily in the presence of the smell, uh, and you have to do this meditation for a period of three months um, in order to to get one smell to get one smell in order to learn this new smell. That you don't have to do it you know, all day, but you know if you have a ten minute meditation routine, got it. You know you have to meditate on the smell consciously for you know 10 minutes or something and you have to do it daily for three months and then then you'll never forget that smell and you can make other people smell that smell for as long as you want do i have to be around them or could i be like bananas bennett and like from all the way over here and you'd smell or i wouldn't have to be around you i could just think of you and give it to you or do you need to be like with me um i would say you have to be uh, uh, i didn't think about this but let's let's put it in a it can definitely work if you're in line of sight and uh, your power gets a little bit weaker and requires more training um, the further distance-wise you get from your target. Okay, I'm in a stadium. I can make them all smell bananas if I've done the training for bananas yeah, and they're if, all within an eye shot or you know, visible. It takes concentration, so you, it would probably be difficult to do the entire stadium. Um, but oh, so I, more people do experiencing it is more exhausting for me, like... Yeah. Like, can so, I get this this group of 20,000 people? Ah, it would take yeah. a smellopathy master to do that. <laughs> but you could you could maybe get there if you practiced for years um, trying that, then then yes. But for a, for an individual target, yeah, you could accomplish that with, you know, your basic uh you can do it with ravioli right from the start. Can ravioli <laughs> such an interesting choice. Um can I does it replace other smells, or just, is it in addition? No, it's in addition. You can build up a big library of smells. No, I meant, I meant. Uh, let's say I smelled really bad, but I've done a, done a, a, a love a particular cologne. So I, I do my training for three months daily, and now when I'm around you, I want you to smell my cologne and not my. And I decide to stop wearing deodorant and anything. No. Are you smelling my body odor and the? Um, yeah, it's add, it's additive, not, um, not a replacement. So if you are 
taking a walk with. Like I don't control their smells. I just give them additional smells. Yeah, yeah. you can you I'm can not... make them think that they smell a certain smell. So you could make the smell the smell of the smellopathic smell so strong and overpowering that that's what they notice more than anything else. Um, so this isn't a fart with impunity gift, really. I mean, no. maybe you're right. I can't. I could, if I was very targeted and good at it, I could just. Yeah, make you smell the cologne or whatever. Right. If you were if you were on a date, say, and you farted accidentally, you just lost your focus for a minute and let one out, <laughs> and you were like, "Oh no, I need to fix this." Then you could smellopathically influence your date to thinking, "Well, you would have no choice but for ravioli at first, and you would just go all out and really put that ravioli smell in her brain, and she would." You know, she would be thinking, "Wow, someone cooking ravioli? That smells really good." But it also has this weird smell to it. But yeah. mostly, I smell ravioli, and you would be like, "Whew, yeah." So yeah the risk huh. factor's still there. Like, yeah, but it's almost like it's turned bad, though. Someone's you know? cooking some strangely rotten ravioli. Like, really <laughs> good, but then like maybe it isn't good. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't eat that ravioli. But yeah, and with training, you know, you might could come up with a better a better uh, smell that doesn't blow your cover. Quite so much, but so okay. That, I think I understand. Smellopathic, uh, smellopathy, smellopathic. Yeah, so smellopathy is the uh, technical term. So, all right. <laughs> uh, the uh, the other one, the other one is another sort of um, um, what woo woo kind of power that you get, and so you got <laughs> smellopathy, and this one is called pastoral projection. Okay, pastoral, past, pastoral, 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 pastoral pro- projection, projection. Okay. So by closing your eyes and concentrating on a geographic location, you can see through the eyes of the nearest cow to the location you're imagining. <laughs> and if there are no cows nearby, it's still the nearest cow. Yeah, it's still the nearest cow to whatever location you're imagining. And you can you can coax the cow to move its head or walk in a particular direction, sort of like remote cow mind control a little bit, but it's very difficult. It's kind of like trying to coax a pet to come to you. So it's not like you you have direct control. You're, you're having to... You're right, having, they might amber along, amble along a few feet, maybe. And yeah, whatever. and then, yeah, so it's very difficult to... You can't just like make the cow, you know, jog down the sidewalk and be examining everything curiously. That's not going to work. It's going to be it's going to be difficult. But but you could you know perhaps jump to you know if there's a big uh, flock of cows, then you could you know jump to it between cow to cow and kind of see through their eyes <laughs> from from afar. So you could do some interesting just for fun. Be like, all right the moon and like obviously there's not a cow very close to the moon but there is a cow closest to the moon that's true you could, could do that and i would just know which cow is currently closest to the moon sort of well it would you would be able to see through that cow's eyes well right and i i guess i wouldn't know where i was even no i mean you could you know try to coax the cow to the nearest road sign or something and see if you can figure out where the cow is might be tough but um Yep, there you go. Pastoral projection. I'm just I'm trying to think of any benefit. <laughs> okay, I'm like if I need to wait, can I can actually just say okay, um the, you know, Chick-fil-A near near 
I don't know. I don't know why my man went to Chick Fil A. Maybe because the cow mascots. Because cows. But, <laughs> but like, but like, where's the nearest Chick Fil A? Uh, let and me think just, about it. And then and the nearest cow. Wait, no, I can think of a specific Chick Fil A. You, you think then, of a location, though, like, yeah? And yes. So, uh, what? So you could use it for a security system. You know, you could get some cows and have them all around your property or whatever. Right. Okay. I and could then, live on a farm or something like that. Or just get some cows. <laughs> or just get some cows. And then, you know, when you're away from home on vacation or at work or whatever, you can be like, oh, let me check up on what's going on at home and concentrate on your cows. And then, you know, you could kind of look around and see what things are going on. You know, that's 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 actually pretty useful. I went from thinking there's almost no utility to... to putting cows around things that matter to me that yeah. I can check in on. Well, <laughs> you could like useful. I mean, you would also probably be very valuable to the military and other organizations because, you know, you could say, "Okay, let me pick the nearest cow to you know, this North Korean town or city or whatever, this yeah. sensitive location and you could, you know, have your cows scope out troop movements. It's basically the most unassuming spy imaginable, right? I imagine now that the the army or the, the military would be interested in airdropping cows all over you know, like yeah. other other countries and things. <laughs> yes. Funny. Untra- and then using me. Untraceable um, uh, I like spy the name Pastoral network. Projection. It's a really good name. I like smell apathy and Pastoral Projection. Yeah. They're very good. All right, so okay. those, are, those are the two superpowers you get to choose from. But I know that you really, really want one of those, uh, but unfortunately... In order to get one of those, you have to take one of these two drawbacks. The first one is called Beater Misleader. Beater Misleader? Beater Misleader, that's right. Okay. Any vehicle that you drive will appear to everyone else like a total beater. Like a very crappy car, if you're not familiar with the term, beater. Uh It'll look like it's run down and paint's peeling and pieces falling off. No matter how good I take care of it or what I've spent on it, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. The functionality and uh, of the vehicle and the appearance to you are totally unaffected. So it, it may look like a pristine, newly waxed, brand new, shiny car to you and drive smoothly and quietly. But everyone else will see it as just a horrendous... Machine. You'll just pay the social cost of having a very, very messed up vehicle. Yeah. Got it. Yes. I think I. I think I. It's very okay, straightforward. Yeah. Yep. All right. Beater misleader. Got beater it. misleader. Right. The other one uh, that you can choose is called unidentified spying object. Um, and this one, with this one, a small alien with an unblinking eye for a head hovers near you constantly and forever recording everything you do and it relays it to its extraterrestrial kin and no I'm one s- no one else can see it and it never interacts with you in any way so it doesn't interfere with my life We're, there's some unknown in in this that i guess takes it from a zero to one but in some ways feels like it go from a zero to a ten <laughs> you know like you have an an alien life form spying on you yes and you can see it Yep. It's tiny, I'm assuming, fairly unobtrusive from my view. I mean, I just know that it's yeah, there, it's but it's not like it's like getting in the way of my driving or like... No, we'll say it's about the size of a fist, closed fist, okay. hovering around with an like unblinking eyeball, just always pic- kind of I'm picturing almost you. like the Mario, it's in a little cloud, you know, like the, the, the Mario I kinda picture, that would drop the spiky, you, 
Yeah. Yeah, well, kind of like that. You remember the um, in Big Trouble in Little China that that hovering eye thing oh, that was yeah, really that's... gross and disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of how I imagine it. Um, I think that's disturbing, and it's hard to convince me that that's a. <laughs> I think that's a, disturbing. Well, <laughs> that's funny. The reason I want to go like that's you poorly assessed it and it shouldn't be a one but then part of me goes it literally no one you're paying no cost other than and i think you'd obviously normalize the existence so you could get over it mm-hmm. so but you're t- but and you couldn't communicate with it or i couldn't communicate with it if i wanted right you're saying it doesn't commun- it doesn't communicate it just looks at you so it doesn't do anything it just hovers around looking at you relaying everything is it a device from an alien or is it an alien it's a living creature um and if i were to kind of lose my mind one day and try and swat at it or whatever it would avoid expertly i would just never i couldn't fire a gun at it whatever what would happen yeah it's just really it's very maneuverable and you just you can't touch it it's way too fast for you you try to hit it and it's gonna move out of your way if you shoot it it's not gonna work um okay let me think about those two things because the beater misleader um i'm not sure that i care i do care a little bit probably at a one level that like if i bought a new vehicle and was there could be almost no excitement socially to share that with people because they would just see this hunk of junk the the question i don't want to push too much on is so they ride with me the past you ride as a passenger with me are you having a what what experience are you having? I mean, are you because are you having a smooth experience? Is it rocky? I mean, the leather is not going to be cracked. It's going to be smooth, but you'll perceive it as cracked. I like I know it's a little bit of like it's impossible to answer that question, but I'm assuming that you would be have a safe, reasonable experience. It wouldn't be rocky in there. It would just be like as you're walking up, you're a little like oh, I got to get in this hunk of junk kind of thing. And then when you get in, it's like fine i suppose i don't know it's not like it's unveiled that it's a nice car then but i don't know yeah that's Um, a good question um it's not well certainly there are no tangible safety concerns uh to anyone riding with you it just appears to be really crappy so they'll you know maybe to your eyes it looks clean and there's no dirt on the carpet and yeah the leather's not cracked or anything it looks pristine but to them you know, it looks like, you know, there's a hole kind of in the seat and the cotton stuffing or whatever interior stuffing is kind of like poking out and there's dirt and peanut shell. It basically looks like David's car <laughs> yeah. inside peanut shells and wrappers and everything. They may even comment on it and just be like, oh, man, like, why do you have this discarded McDonald's burger wrapper, you know, <laughs> on your floorboard? And you'll be like, what are you talking about? It's not there. And it'll be some weird interaction. Uh, going on maybe in terms of rockiness or bumpiness yeah why not maybe when you're driving it feels perfectly smooth to you but even though you can look at your passenger and see that they're just sitting there normally maybe they're like you know kind of gripping onto the uh you know onto the armrest a little bit and you know they 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 look a little unsettled like they're not sure at any moment whether the the wheel is going to come off Okay, so in my opinion, this is the riskier of the two um, because I don't know what social cost I could potentially pay with, say, a boss or someone of influence. Um, 
and it sounds silly and it's still fairly low risk, but that's outside of my control. The USO or whatever, the unidentified spying object, mm-hmm. that the risk is that maybe I'd have a mental breakdown or, or be more upset or unsettled by it than I think I would. But or, or honestly, that, or that the aliens that he's communicating to do something, you know, they influence your life or invade or create a clone of you or whatever. You don't, you don't know what they're going to do with that information. But you're telling me though, that they're, they will not interfere with my life. This, this one won't, this alien won't. This alien won't. Well then that, I mean, then that, but you don't know, you don't know though. Maybe nothing happens. You don't, you you don't know anything. You just know that you're being recorded and watched by this little hovering alien. Well then that's just too much. The the unknown so wild. They could literally be studying me to take over the human race and I can't risk that. I mean, obviously if you're you're spying on someone, it's to obtain information and and that information is going to be useful or at least, yeah, that's the idea. That's why you spy is to get useful information. I don't know. You're on, you're on camera all the time. You know, when you're, when you're at school, teaching presumably there are security cameras when you go you know buy something at a restaurant you're on camera their cameras watching you all the time and you don't know what they're doing with that footage you know you're right they they could be just taking stats on how many times i pee a day something like that the alien what what the humans do it could be it could be a totally benevolent you know study project um you know this could be the cow you know this little hovering alien could be the cow maybe an alien played superpowers and drawbacks and got (laughs) you know this projection ability and they can watch watch people watch you or something i don't know but but yeah it could be benevolent it could be totally malicious you don't you don't know that all you know is you're being watched and this alien won't ever he won't bother you he's just a floating eyeball essentially Yeah, but when you put it in the, they could be using it. We just don't know. I was sort of assuming you were telling me this will not affect you, and I was sort of extending that to the human race. Like this was not gonna, this is not a war plan. But you're saying, eh, it could be. You just don't know. Yeah, I'm uh, that. Whether it is or not is not a component in this. Uh, okay, well, then, at least you're not defining it, and I have to take that into account. That's right. Uh, and then that case that. But that's why I meant that, like, calling that a one seems, uh, like, not, I don't know what number I would put on it. It just seems like that risk, that probably very, very small risk, if were the, if it were the case, is so huge, then I have to dismiss it. And I don't really want to dismiss it, but I have to say I can't take it. Meaning, if I were to take one, I, I would be stuck with beater misleader, and then... Well, at first I was going smellopathy, smellopathic capabilities is is seems more to have more utility than the pastoral projection. But but now that I'm convinced about having some cows around on a farmland, but I guess I'd have to care for the cows. Which honestly, should I just like you buy just, some cameras? You know, you, like is you that could, really? You could strategically live next to a farmer. <laughs> that is true, and. Well, it was a neat idea, but now I'm just thinking buying some cameras now <laughs> nowadays is not is much easier than relying on cows and coaxing them to look over at the house. Come on, man, go but, over to the house. But you can't <laughs> buy cameras for for example, the houses of all of your family, friends, acquaintances, people you're curious about, people in other countries, whatever. Like you could use cows to to scope out you know, all of those places potentially. It, 
in scoping them out, though, like, it seems like that's so close to being meaningful, but I'm not sure how much meaning, like, mm. can you hear, by the way, or is it just visual? Um, it's just, just visual. And so, and they're gonna, you, it's, to me, you didn't say this exactly, but basically I can get them to turn their head every which way, yeah. but I can't yeah, necessarily, yeah, you can, you like, can, pretty easily, but I can't get them to walk a mile in the direction I want them to walk. Yeah, it's you can. Like a, you can get them to walk, but it's difficult. It's like coaxing an animal, like saying, come here, come here, boy, come here. Kind of like yeah. that is that level of difficulty where the animal might sometimes be like, and start eating <laughs> some grass, you know, but, but you can kind of, you know, with, with skill and with luck, get the cow to walk where you want and look where you want. It's easier to get it to look in a certain place than it is to get it to walk, obviously, but you well, can I, do that. I'm going to say this right now. I don't, I wouldn't. If I were just to do security for my home, I would go the more digital and technical route. And and I wouldn't want to up in my life and work for the military and then develop some expensive game plan where they drop cows all over, you know, where strategically where they want them to be. So <laughs> if I'm not if I'm not willing to do that and the security that all of a sudden those are two things I don't want. So uh, it doesn't seem that great. <laughs> like. I'm just thinking that through. Like, yeah, I'm not convinced that it has that much utility. Now, so I want to examine this melopathy a little more. Like, I like smells, um, and I like, you know, I actually use an oil diffuser every day, and I have various scents, and I take pride when kids come in and go, oh, the room smells so good, and I'm like, thank you, you know? I, I, I really mean it. I, like, I love it. So, that idea of controlling smells appeals to me again how much the, the ravioli beginning is pretty funny and i have no interest in the smell <laughs> of ravioli so it's like starting with an empty tank other than a demo that it can in fact be done yeah, um right and so i and if it's 10 minutes of meditation a day for and then every three months i get a new smell um mm-hmm. i can do that that's not a big deal um, so that's not a setback. The 10 minutes a day, three minutes is, I mean, three months is the, the setback, not the 10 minutes of devotion to a, a mindfulness exercise, whatever. Um, and then it'd be weird to have to order like what smell am I going to get next? Cause I'd want to be careful cause it's going to be three months of work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, and, and you have to be able to cultivate that smell for three months. So, you know, if you wanted to learn oh, yeah. the smell I'd of ravioli of, yeah, or, or whatever, make, yeah. yeah, you would have to have some ravioli handy. You already know ravioli, but if you wanted yeah. to learn, you know, the smell of like, uh, like cook- baking chocolate chip cookies or something, you know, right. you have to, have to be prepared yeah. to do that. Yeah. Right. You Actually, have to have right. that smell around. So, you know, it's, it can be kind of, kind of difficult. And then I'm trying to think, okay, I enjoy it when someone smells a room or whatever, but like when I can do that now and... I don't know how much utility. I was actually just thinking, like, the cover-up, the fart smell seems like a pretty good one. Um, And what else is, like, pretty useful? I'm not so sure. I mean, other than I would want to possibly give off a smell. Like, I want them to... I wouldn't have to invest in cologne after I got a few of my favorite colognes after a year or so. I have various colognes, and then when I'm around people, they could smell. I could smell like that to them if I wanted that. Sort of. It sounds like I could. Mm-hmm. Um, but so what? I could just have a cologne, you know? I don't know. Like so, it doesn't seem that great. Well, it's a which one. I guess that's so. a one. 
And um I mean, with the ones, most of the utility, so to speak, is just the novelty of having a superpower. Uh, yeah, I would like looking through Cal's eyes and being able to see. That'd be neat. Mm-hmm. I would like the smell, you know, I just like that. Uh, okay, I think if I had to choose one, it would be... Actually, I'm going to say it's, believe it or not, I'm going to say pastoral projection because I don't think I'd put in the work after a little while. The novelty would wear off and I'd have like two smells under my belt and I just (laughs) wouldn't do it. So, but pastoral projection, even though I might not use it regularly, I mean, all cows anywhere, I can just look through their eyes. Like that could just, I could probably kill some time with that when I, you know, have some downtime and, and potential security stuff that we talked about that probably wouldn't do, but I just would use it more often. I think, I think the Mm -hmm. smellopathy, I'd, it would run in the background i'd forget i had it whereas i would just get just use pastoral projection a little more with the novelty it wouldn't grow as old as quickly and then uh yeah just because of the unknown of unidentified uh what spying object yes um I, that there's the unknown has too great of a risk so it would be beater misleader and pastoral projection and i would walk away from oh. it I think I <laughs> yeah i just would like because <laughs> all of that and i'm just like and i'm walking away but like well the the gaining the cow versus all it would take is one pretty negative uh uh political misstep with the car no, i just uh, don't understand and, who do you surround yourself with that judges so much based on your ca- the appearance of your car? I that's a good point. I just I, I mean at in- a certain point like having an ultra crappy car almost, you know, circles back around and becomes an interesting thing. You know, like if you're a sophisticated person who, you know, you obviously have your life together, but you have this ultra dilapidated car that almost comes around to being a quirk about you that's memorable. Uh, no, I agree. Like the rich person who who won't wear expensive clothes or have drive an expensive car. Yeah, people like know that they say that about them. Um, it almost feels like they're a, they're a, it's either folksy or just like they have core values that are you know they didn't let money get to their head or something. Think about um, this too. Like you could have a really fancy sports car you know, fast car and everything. And, you know, you, the police just wouldn't be as apt to pull you, to pull you over based on your car. You know, they would think you're driving, you know, some minivan with duct tape, you know, holding the bumper on <laughs> and everything. And yet here you are in your, you know, fancy sports car. Uh, I do think there'd be a human element to like the, I mean, imagine you're a cop and you pull some over for some jalopy over and it's like a mom with three kids in the back like kind of and you're just you're kind of on the fence about they were going to like 14 over the speed limit or whatever like eh, let them off but then if or some some jackass in a lamborghini going 14 over with like gelled hair and a necklace like you're more i just think you're gonna give the 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 driver of the lamborghini a and ticket, a sleeve but, tattoo like, and a sleeve tattoo oh god if you see that then it's like all right you're getting a ticket <laughs> I think probably right. Like these are signals that would be in the give a ticket versus the sort of exhausted mom and her right. duct tape minivan. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, given that in almost any car you would be put in the give a ticket category, 
um, like if you were driving this beat up jalopy, that might you know that might tip the balance back in your favor a little bit. With my sleeve tattoo, it might look like I do drugs if you put me in the the <laughs> the minivan with tape all of. To, you would with have the to, mom and kids, it looks like a hard overworked person with with right. the with, with the sleeve tattoo, tattoo guy. You, you would like, have to say you would have to <laughs> really <laughs> proactively be like, no, no, wait, officer, hold on, let me show you this quote. <laughs> look, look at, hold on, wait, pull up my sleeve. Look, read this quote. This is Wordsworth or whatever. <laughs> Here it is. It's yeah. this third eye blind quote <laughs> from my favorite song, Graduation. Or uh, the, yeah, some quote about uplifting life. Like, yeah, this might be a bad moment for me, but to, to quote, I don't know, uh, to quote Oscar Wilde, it takes a great deal of courage to see the world in all this tainted glory and still to love it. Oh, you're right. Okay, uh, well, just slow down, slow down. <laughs> Have a nice day. I'll let you off with a warning this time. And and really do something about this rust spot. This is just <laughs> horrible. And I'm like rust spot, and I look at the camera and the music, and kind of freeze frame ending. I don't know. Yep. Um, I like how you used our closing jingle. I I was about. Uh, ready I don't to, know why I did that. I was about ready to stop the recording. <laughs> what uh? What do you do in this situation? Um. I uh, I I also thought kind of the same thing in terms of you uh, about utility. So smellepathy is the cooler seeming of the two superpowers. Like being able to influence other people's smells, that's cool. Right. But it's also not that useful. Like, I mean, there's certainly some pranking potential there that would be entertaining, um, and. You know, some mild a three month like intensive thing to pull a prank. If you did it's sparts worth it. or that something, would be worth you it. just you would you would you quit? Oh, that's a good question. So I would be quickly getting my favorite colognes and stuff like that. Would you be going for like fart <laughs> like immediately? That would be one of the first ones that I go. It's just some horrendous smell, and it's yeah, gonna be... yeah. And you have to meditate on it for three months for ten minutes. Well, I mean, just think about it, like. You know, if you have a superpower, sometimes you want to use that superpower for good, and sometimes, you know, you have to take down the bad guys, right? Like Superman, he uses his laser eyes. Sometimes he cuts open a wall to free the prisoner, and sometimes he burns the bad guy to death. Like, maybe he does that, right? I'm sure he does that. I'm sure he does. (laughs) So, you know, sometimes you have to, you know, make someone smell a pleasant cologne, and sometimes you have to torture them with fart. (laughs) You know? Yeah. It'd just be funny to see, like, if we were to see, like, oh, Bennett, I haven't seen you in three years. Here are my array of scents. And it's, like, cinnamon bun and, like, you know, uh, uh, teak wood. And you're just, like, <laughs> fart. And liquid ass. Five <laughs> different varieties of fart. Yeah. Here, we have, here we have corpse, rotting corpse, Puke. garbage, vomit. Yeah. Um Right, now I probably wouldn't spend too much time making a large variety of terrible smells. I probably just have one go-to. The most potent bad smell. Yeah, yeah. and it would be a very debilitating, a bad. very trying three-month meditation experience to. Yeah, it would be to learn it, but but I would learn it and I would have it forever and don't get on my bad side. Um, it, 
It kind of makes you think about smells, by the way. If you were to meditate on it for three months, your relationship with that smell would be a little different three months later than it would initially. It, whatever the yes. smell would be. And yep. you would you would know it. You would know. And I'm imagining because of smellopathy and its properties, I'm assuming like it's, it's almost like smellopathy. Smellopathy. Smellopathy is something else. That's a different that's a different <laughs> oh, okay. study. So smellopathy, you would since you're sort of throwing the smells, right? You're able to transport them in some way, or like conjure them, conjure them up. I don't know, but <clears throat> my point is, it you would it's like you would be intimate with all of the layers of smells because I'm assuming smells are complex and uh, yeah. a mixture, and like you having three months with it and this intimacy with the smell, you would know all the layers. So something like. Uh, puke or whatever the whatever debilitatingly gross smell mm-hmm. it would be it'd be weird to just know all the layers there well, you have to become a master of the smell and so you could you probably you know it in and out and you could tolerate it you know after that period of meditation <laughs> yeah. like that's how it works is you just become such a master of the smell you you are the smell in a way you're one with the smell okay so that's your take on that's my that take one. on smell empathy for pastoral projection, um, actually, I kind of lean towards this one because smellopathy, well, yeah, there's some prank utility and some mild psychological influence stuff, but it's pretty mild. Um, pastoral projection, the security thing is kind of silly, but really it's the only one that, or well, it, it just provides a greater potential for exploration. Like you say, like you said at the end, you could probably just kill some time looking through some cow's eyes and just seeing what there is to see, you know? And there are cows in a lot of beautiful locations. Uh, yeah. And you could just kind of explore. It would be like opening up, you know, Google Earth and going on the street view at random locations, except it would be, you know, more real and current and up to date. Uh, and there's some limited amount of interaction that you could engage in. Um, very limited. Uh so there's some exploration potential yeah. to it that's kind of neat. Uh, not amazing, but, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, yeah, it's a 1 or so. It's down there, but it would be cool to be able to do. Um, so I kind of I kind of lean. Uh, it's very difficult. I kind of lean towards pastoral projection. For the, uh, for the drawbacks, neither one of them bother me that much, honestly. Um, the beater uh, misleader, I would think, almost have zero effect for you. Yeah, then, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, I'm trying to assess the risk like you did for the for the unidentified spying object. Like, I don't know how to assess the risk is the problem, but it could be it could be world ending. <laughs> could be so. Yeah, well, that the way, alone. Like, the the way I think about it, like, if they're spying on, if they're if they're spying on humanity. And they're spying on me. They could just as easily spy on anyone else. So me not taking the drawback, you know, they're just going to spy on someone else. So like, well, and am I a representative sample for humanity? Probably not. I mean, in a lot of ways I am, but in some ways I'm not. So I kind of think maybe if they spy on me, they may be coming to Earth thinking, you know, they're that it's going to be an Earth full of Bennets, and that's probably not going to be right. So, um. You know, I'm biasing their sample a little bit. But anyway, ultimately, I don't think, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like, uh, I'm not that worried. Like, I I actually value privacy pretty highly, but, you know, this group of aliens, like, so, I don't know, it's almost like 
So what? If they want to spy on humans, they're going to spy on humans. So this thing doesn't bother me. But but it's still kind of creepy having a little floating eyeball thing everywhere and being able to see something that no one else can. It's a little weird. So the beater misleader, I actually, that doesn't bother me so much. It really, as long as my car is functional, which it would be, and it looks good to me, which it would, then I don't care. Like my car isn't a big social statement for me. Like I don't put my ego into my car in any way. It's not. What about a new date though? They might say something about you just, unintentional, right? I mean, but if it's that big of a statement to them, you could argue that, that like they, it wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to work out if they were to get. Look, there are easy, there are easy ways around that. Um, you can say, you know, like, yeah, I'm having to drive this car for the moment. Like this, you know, I would like to, I'm working on having a better car or whatever. Like, man, this is just what I have to drive for the moment. You could do that. You could just arrange for your first date. Not they just don't see your car. You know, like you right. arrange it so that they don't have to see your car, and you can put that off for later. Now, eventually, you'll have to deal with the fact that. You know, to your date, girlfriend, wife, whatever, however the relationship progresses, like in their eyes, eventually you'll, you'll just be the person who just always drives a crappy car. A mild source of tension, I, I suppose. And and I didn't consider this. I didn't consider this when I was thinking about the drawback. But what happens if, you know, you get married and, you know, you buy a, ca- a family car <laughs> and, yeah. you know, she drives it somewhere and then you drive this is the same car and then you drive it somewhere what happens huh well yeah we or like who does it go who who we, bought the car who, who's on the deed or whatever what is it but yeah we don't have to get we don't have to get into it anyway unless, yeah. unless you want to so uh, I, nah, nah, nah. I think I, I think I'll choose I think I choose pastoral projection and beater misleader and I think I'll ta- I'll actually take it because why not I want to be I want to be a superhuman so and look through the eyes of cows. Look through the bit. eyes of cows. Yep, and I can add that to my list of superpowers, and you'll just be normal, Daniel. Could there be any positive uh, things about Beater Misleader that you didn't think about? Like just the how interesting it might be to see someone come in and say, "Why are there ugh, peanuts on shells?" And you just don't see it. Like that could be interesting to you. I'm just trying to think of any positive. I mean. <clears throat> um, also seeing people react strongly to something so ultimately innocuous uh, that might reveal that could be a, a litmus test of sorts of if they're cool or not I guess yeah uh, well, it would be unfortunate to ever have to sell a car you know okay but, there you go yeah selling so, cars that's another negative that's yeah. a negative I'm trying to think if there's a way that you could game it in your favor so that you could potentially get a really good deal by buying a car but if it's not yours then it's not going to look like a beater what how does it work ah it's difficult to say like i don't know maybe with some creative thought applied you could come up with ways to turn that into a positive for you i mean the speeding ticket is one minor way um yeah but yeah Uh, but you'll take it i'll take it i think i'll take it yeah just so that can be even more of a superhuman It'd be interesting if we had recorded all of the decisions we made and you could tell me what we have, you and I have and don't have at this point. Oh, I mean, um, we could figure that out. Yeah. We could figure, and I mean, that'd I, be I, worth, that'd be worth like tracking, I think. I do record the ones that we've chosen already. I, did, I don't think I wrote which ones we, we chose. I don't think I recorded that down. Yeah. But it, it would be, be you should, you should take, make a note of it. That'd just be worth it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I thought of, I was thinking about something the other day that was interesting enough that I thought we could discuss it on the podcast. Uh, I like so interesting things. Kind of a kind of another lighthearted thing. It's actually kind of in the same vein of superpowers and drawbacks in a way. Um, just sort of imagining a world with this sort of changed thing. So l- let me let me tell you what it is. So imagine imagine that someone invents teleportation capability, and there, it, it becomes a household item. So the teleportation device that is invented is about the size of a refrigerator uh, and it's the cost of like a, a brand new mid-level sedan or something. So like $25,000 or something in okay. that. And it's a consumer good. Um, what would that do to the world? Like just imagine all of the effects of this teleportation device and think about what the world, what the world would be like. Would it be a better world or a worse world? Or would you use it? What would it be like? I just want to contemplate the world in which this teleportation device exists. Yeah, I want to start with some of the good things where my brain immediately goes. Um, so let's first let's first imagine that it is invented and introduced, and you know, kind, we can kind of um, think about it in the same way that Tesla cars were introduced, right? Because you know they were a new hot thing for a while. And they were very rare, and now they're becoming more common. And you know, now it's common to see one on the road when you go out. Right. Um, and so think about it like that way: at the very beginning, the leading edge of it, and then becoming more and more popular. Right. And then, like there, there has to be a limited number of them, right. and then and then there's more, and then uh, it's everywhere. Right. Yeah. And then let's think forward. You know, after five or ten years, when these things are all over the place, and then what would the world look like? So lots of areas to to think about. Uh, but, but what do you think first off? Um, well, I suspect you take something like Tesla that is like, you know, they basically said, all right, here's the electric car, but it can also be sexy instead of this goofy hybrid stuff that everyone was making and wasn't sexy or sporty or fast or whatever. And so, so to me, it makes sense that it's slowly gained popularity and will be more and more ubiquitous. But, but something like this, I think wouldn't follow a similar path i do think it would explode in growth immediately i mean you know just like oh my god everyone would sell their cars to get one almost well let me first describe let me first describe how it works yeah at least how i'm imagining how it works so it's the size of a refrigerator um and so you know it's a household item i don't keep it in your garage or in your house at some location Maybe you maybe people start to develop a teleportation room or something where they keep this item. Anyway, you walk up to it and you open the door and you kind of step in and close the door behind you. And in the same way that you have to dial a phone number to connect to another person's phone, you have to dial a, a number or an or address. have saved location. Yeah, yeah just like some, you can something save like that. You have to connect yeah. to another machine somewhere. Okay. You don't just get to type in a GPS coordinate and go poof and appear there. You have to connect to another machine and yeah. then. You press the button, and to your eyes, from inside the machine, maybe some lights go up and down and flicker or something. And then, but there's no tangible. You don't feel anything. It's instantaneous. Um, and then you just open the door and you walk out into your uh, destination location. Do you imagine places like uh, popular destinations or even malls have like a bank of ten of them, so that they uh, yes. you don't have to wait as long, and it sort of will say, "All right," or you can. 
I think first scheduling these popular destinations, would, you wouldn't just say, I'm going to the Grand Canyon right now. You would have to let them know, mm. or they would tell you, at 12.05, come. Um, yeah. I just think it would be kind of like that. That's just where my mind takes me. No, um, I, I, that's yeah. That's what I was, I was thinking about, the very same thing when I was thinking about this earlier. Like, tourism would be turned on its head, right? Because, you know, now for previously inaccessible locations the tops of mountains, like in the middle of deserts and, you know, tropical locations, everywhere, everywhere is now accessible. I guess, presuming that there's electricity to power the device, all you have to do is just walk into your refrigerator, you know, more or less, and then walk out wherever your destination is. And so places like small tropical islands, that's exactly where my mind went. They're going to get swamped, right? By people just visiting like crazy i i I think you might change the way like rich people want anyone would want their own private island but there's some huge drawbacks about getting groceries or getting out and going and yeah i I mean i don't want to get too big too quickly but we think about we want to live in cities because of proximity and access to whether it's restaurants art Mm -hmm. social stuff and all of a sudden when you change like I mean, think about, access, I think mean, about wow. how fundamental distance is in our lives and proximity to a thing. Like it's a key component in in many parts of our lives. And we've learned this recently with work because, you know, with the ability to work from home, tele, telework and stuff like that's kind of broken some some tethers that have been in place forever. Right. Like you right. have to be you have to be near where you work. But but that's kind of stopped being the case and with this now you don't have to be near where your family is or where your work is or where your grocery store is or where many things are you can just be there you don't you don't even have to have a driveway think about that you no longer not only driveways or any infrastructure with roads but like why would take a company like mcdonald's why would you have 800 locations you'd have one mcdonald's that Oh. There's a super freaking mega McDonald's. Um, but and even more exciting about that, then all of a sudden when it's like, I want a chicken sandwich, I'm going to look, like, if I wanted to, I'm going to have fun looking up the, the best chicken, best sa- yeah, chicken the. sandwich. And like, and it's so ratings kind of like Amazon ratings oh. or, you know, I say Amazon as if they're Yelp the first, but, but whatever would start to become super significant. And these mom and pop shops would um, grow like crazy because, or possibly, yeah. or they just want to be well, what they are, and they said, "Nope, you can get one on Friday three weeks from now if you want." But that's all right. we can do because they're literally making sandwiches. And I actually could see stuff like I don't want to get too focused on food either. But like, why would you do anything other than make your the best freaking chicken sandwich ever? Why sell fries if you can get fries teleported to you from the the fry making place? Like, well, you, you, you would <laughs> anyway. have to tell you would have to you know walk into your fridge. I call it a fridge because it's funny and funny image. Walk into your fridge, <laughs> teleport yourself to, you know, the the central Mississippi or wherever the or Kentucky, I guess it would be where the wherever the best chicken is. Yeah, uh, and get pick up your chicken and then teleport to the best French fry place. Well, it they could, could put the chicken in their little teleportation. No, to go to that's you. not how it works. Oh, it's not items. No, or you're saying you just have to go physically. <clears throat> uh, I mean. I mean, I guess it doesn't make sense to only transport humans, but like it's, I guess they could, but it just seems unlikely that 
I guess it doesn't seem unlikely. I guess they could. Like, if you ordered some fries. You just don't like it. <laughs> I just don't like it. It breaks what I had imagined. But okay, I'll, I don't, yeah. but I'll yeah. think about it. I mean, technically, based on the rules that I have in my head for how this thing works, they could open the refrigerator, put your plate of French fries down on the floor of it, close it, type in your thing, and then send it to you. And you could open it up and get the fries out. But the way I'm imagining it, that would be... It, it would it would be akin to you know hopping on a train and taking a train ride to pick up you know a fast food meal or something because maybe the energy expenditure of the device or some the cost we haven't even talked about the cost which I don't know what that would be but at least in my imaginings that wouldn't be a use but but my imaginings notwithstanding that does seem like something that sh- that would happen but well, let's, let's... but 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 let's think about it too like I. Th- I, I did think along the same lines of view in terms of mom and pop shops and there being such unbelievable demand for whatever is currently perceived as the best, like sort of in the same way that Amazon has provided a virtual storefront that lets previously unknown products become hugely successful. Like, I mean, if you ever try to search for like shower curtains or soap holders or just little knickknacky household items, then you find these Chinese brands that are just goofy. You know, they're obviously hastily put together. Like a lot of times there will be five different brands that all produce this almost identical product. You know what I'm talking about? And one will be do, called like Guangho soap holder. And it'll, <laughs> right. it, it'll be this one style of soap holder. And then you'll look at the other and it'll be like first in class soap holder. And it'll be the same soap holder Anyway, like it's allowed for those companies to just swamp uh, the virtual storefronts with their with their product. And when you go on Amazon, you just pick whatever Amazon recommends and whatever has the highest reviews. And it would be like that when you're looking for the best sushi, you know, like you could just walk into your fridge and walk out in the middle of Japan, you know, in the middle of Osaka or something and just get sushi in, in Japan from a sushi place like Imagine how crazy the lunch lines would be in, you know, certain locations, like, because people would just be able to just tidally swamp all of these locations. Uh, think I, about this, too. So I'm going on so many different tangents. Even but just on food, but yeah. Even just on food, but lunchtime almost ceases to be a thing, right? Because lunchtime is wherever locally people eat their lunch at 12 o'clock. Everyone gets their lunch break and they eat lunch. But now it's always lunchtime somewhere. And <laughs> like if you're in the best sushi place in the world, if you work there making sushi, now if anyone in the world ever gets a hankering for sushi at lunch, they're walking out of your refrigerator and asking you for some sushi. And so that gets crazy quickly, right? Yeah, I mean, so to what degree is food, the best tasting food, also part of like i guess they call it like a culinary experience and so was it osaka that had okonomiyaki those those pancakes those japanese pancakes as they call them um that was in hiroshima wasn't hiroshima that's right you're right it was in hiroshima Uh, okonomiyaki right is that the right word that's right yeah yeah. so and it was freaking delicious and i can't get it here i mean i've seen it on a few menus and then we drive there and it's actually not on the menu just weird stuff it's like this Uh, uh, this this product you can't get in america and i loved it and i think about it and i probably put it in such some mythical proportions in my my mind of how delicious it was it was so good 
And and the idea, uh, I mean, that would be one of the quick items. I mean, my mind went there just now, just imagining I can get anything. Oh, give me that okonomiyaki from that place in yeah. Hiroshima. Like, or, or, you know, there was a, that was like a three-story place with all of them selling it. It was yeah, so strange. It was called, if I remember, it was called Okonomimura. I think that was the name of it. And it was like a three-story building with dozens of okonomiyaki restaurants inside. Really how weird. cool is that? And very strange. And it shows how popular that dish is and how all the different takes on it and all of this. And anyway, like if I were to get go there again, it would almost be heavenly. Like I can see 10 years in the future, I decide to go back to Japan on vacation and I go there and I sit down and it's like, wow, 10 years between me and my last Okonomiyaki <laughs> getting all the way. You know, there's the plane ride. There's the like yeah, it yeah. would be one of the things I'd be excited about uh, about going back to Japan. And so this, my real point is that what is, you know, the, the journey versus the destination. And so if all of a sudden you have 100% access, like part of the joys of being on that deserted island or that like, is traveling to get there and being like, I'm in a place that's difficult to get to. I paid that cost. And so my reward feels that much more rewarding. Whereas if I just didn't have to quote unquote earn it as much i just wonder like uh because like to me if you told me like like if adam told me oh i got the best chicken sandwich in 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 all of atlanta and like atlanta's not that accessible to me now because i'm you know in florida and so i waited a month i flew out there i like he took me to the restaurant like i waited in line you know what i mean like all this delayed gratification that's really what i'm saying is delayed gratification versus almost none and i could have just had it the second that you know i heard about it like and so when i tasted it it's freaking delicious and i believe if i had tasted it that day when he said oh yeah this is the best chicken sandwich i would have said oh that is great but i just wonder how much absence would there be an absence of joy not having to wait for that month or whatever it was Hmm. Yeah, um, I think you're on to something. I think we can apply this question to a lot of the current technology. The Grand Canyon, yeah. all of it, all these little vacation spots where I go, oh, there's the Grand Canyon. Imagine how people would just go, oh, I thought it'd be bigger or just, you know, <laughs> whatever, because they just walked out and did it. You know, they just, eh, whatever. The Hoover Dam, not stupid. Like, we just, people just, I could just see a bunch of dumb reviews starting to crop up from like teenagers going, You're it's right. not that great. That you Seven have your, wonders in the world, whatever. You, know? you have your teleporter, you know, your refrigerator at the top of Mount Everest or whatever, and people step out for a few seconds and they're like, oh, it's really cold and hard to breathe and. This is a- or they say it's not that cold. It's supposed to be like the coldest spot. Like I went shirtless. Like okay, yeah, people could do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, no, they would. They'd act tough because for two minutes they stepped outside with their shirt off. Like okay, big deal. Well, all right. So yeah, they didn't think- climb the mountain. Like why do people climb mountains? It's so they get to the not to act. I mean, the top is certainly a reward. Well, yes, but what if- for the accomplishment, sure. Yeah, but so uh, we could apply the same sort of questioning to a lot of our current technology, right? So, like thinking about food, still, like, you don't have to work for your food. You don't have to raise the the cattle or the chickens or whatever. You don't have to grow the crops. You can just go buy a delicious meal from almost any culture, yeah. except for okonomiyaki, and eat <laughs> and yeah. eat it and enjoy it. And you, I presume, you still appreciate a really uh, delicious right. meal. 
so, I just had this. But 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 maybe less. Maybe less than if you grew everything yourself and made that meal. Like you, there may be some appreciation of food that you've never experienced because of you know the way our the the ease of access that our technology provides. That's almost certainly true. And it just dawned on me. We've done this with human beings. Like if you talk about what are the most precious things we have, is the relationships we have with mm-hmm. one another. At least yeah. I would argue. And you used to have to travel whether it was walking or whatever but like face to face and now we have instant human interaction whether it's you and me right now or a text message or social media and it's cheapened when when you don't have to journey when you don't have to uh, earn the interaction you just have it readily available to what degree are we cheapening Uh, that's that's a good observation too i mean think about how cheap so to speak social media interactions are and that's also because of how accessible they are Yes, and that that might diminish. I mean, I can just imagine, you know, 100, 200 years ago, like going to see grandparents and stuff like that would have been a real treasure, a real Well, all right, so think, so, all right, so I take your point and I agree with it, but if I was a marketer for this teleporting refrigerator device, then I would say, okay, well, now you don't have to have cheap telephone conversations or cheap Skype conversations or whatever. Now you can just walk through your grandparents' refrigerator and you know <laughs> and hug them yourself. You can have a in-person interaction with them anytime you want. You can just walk through their fridge and say hey. And now it's not a cheap interaction anymore. Like the journey to their place, yeah, maybe you have to do that, but but it's better than a phone call, right? Yeah, I mean, my yes, the concern I'm pushing is not something I actually like. I'm not gonna suggest we go back to killing our own uh, meat to eat it either. Like. Yeah, I would have a newfound appreciation for the food, but I'm not going to do that. Or, or like, let's abolish email and text and only go to handwritten letters and 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 you know mail mailmen who you know in their in their wagons like go deliver the mail. Like, I'm not I, I'm not actually uh, advocating for like a regressive tech you know a, a way sure, to communicate. Sure, right, right. So so like, I just wonder. It's hard. The untold costs of access like it it sounds it's just odd because access is good quicker and easier is better and but but it can be overwhelming yes it's over it's already i there's an information overload that i don't even i mean i've noticed psychologically for me i just shut down on like i just shut down because like i'm concerned i can just go find an article that already tells me what i want to hear or i can find one that disagrees with my beliefs and tendencies and i Mm-hmm. and i'm exhausted by it like could i discern the truth probably so but if i don't feel really impassioned about something then like it's not worth it because it's just a lot of noise there's so much digital noise mm-hmm. and i wonder how much more noise like i think there's too much expected of us i think i look at the students i teach and they they go around and do all their subjects and they mm-hmm. uh, they like have so much homework and then they also have to they they want to be uh, desirable to colleges, so they join a few clubs. They try to start some leadership program. I mean, almost all of them are trying to do something unique to stand out. <clears throat> They're playing a few sports. They're traveling in some academic intellectual pursuit, like MUN or debate or something. I mean, they're just unbelievably overworked. And and also, there's social media, so they need to stay on top of that and be social people too, and support their friends by going to their games and like. And you have all this etiquette we've talked about in social media. So they're expected to do so much. I'm wondering what this teleport or the you know 
this machine, this this refrigerator, as you keep saying, mm-hmm. um, if it, it, it just eases access, so the expectations are going to go. Oh, now we can do so much more, and I just wonder then, like, now what else are the how how will that increase expectations, even just from like an education standpoint? I don't know. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's know. well. Think about this with regards to education as well. Like, location is important there too, right? Like, there's a whole yeah. big. There's a whole big debate about you know, zoning and education, like inner city schools versus other schools and blah, blah, blah. You have to go oh, to the school yeah, in schools. your district. But yeah. now think about when you have access to anywhere, you know, you, your kid could just wake up, you know, eat their breakfast in your kitchen and then step through the refrigerator into the best <laughs> school in the country, you know, potentially. And, Imagine and, how competitive schools get. Oh, yeah, man. the competition would bec- become increased right or like think about it this way too like you could you might not even have schools as such because why have a central location for all of your educators why not have your school have the best teachers you can possibly hire teaching you know out of you know their classroom that's now a room in their home right like the students just all step through the teacher's refrigerator into their home and the teacher doesn't have to go to a school building they just have to wait for the students to come to them and teach their class. Imagine that you get hired, a school hires you, and since they don't have a brick and mortar location, the bonus hire is here's a hundred thousand dollars to add an incredible room and all, and we're gonna we're gonna add we're a an Apple school, and so we put in a big TV and and Apple products all in. I don't know, but mm-hmm, that yeah. was a dumb dumb aside. But I mean, the point is that they like they say here's the money to build our our standard classroom on your house in a way that works with you and for you. And so, mm-hmm. um, and that's what it means to be a teacher or a lot of different fields I could see. Just like, here's what you need. Teachers actually do need a brick and mortar space for students to come together, I think. Um, but they could just do that with the teleportation machine. Right. It'd be it would weird. Be Wouldn't it be funny? Like, oh, I'm sorry, I was tardy. My teleportation machine was acting up today. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that too. Like, uh, what? How? How could the machine go wrong? How could it be misused? I was thinking about uh, yes, robbery, like complex, yeah. like hot hacking into the bank's teleportation machine and getting into the vault. Right. Right. Like well, think about fleeing from the police. Right. Oh my gosh! Like, where yeah. did he go? Track it, track it. You know, look up the history on this machine. Like you yeah. can literally go. You can and you go have hackers anywhere. that like they they wipe the so you can't see because I'm yeah I'm imagining it's standard for these things to have a history so you could see uh-huh. who went where, but like hackers would make these uh, like clean machines or something right, where they right. were like they just had no history and that sort of thing. Or they could you know hack in and send. Someone, oh, maybe they meant to go to the grocery store, but instead it was hacked, and now they get sent to, you know, central Afghanistan or something. Oh my gosh! And then you have to pay some ransom. <clears throat> R- ransomware takes. It's on a ransomware. Whole yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, oh yeah, we stranded. Sorry, we stranded you in this remote teleporting teleportation refrigerator in the middle of the Amazon rainforest. Now, like, <laughs> if you want to get home, pay us five thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, and then you just would. <laughs> gosh. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot where this could go wrong. And, like, I, I'm just thinking about the very world. Like, we, we think in terms of bridges and, and roads and and su- even just subway stations and things that connect us that are no longer need to be. So, And, again, location, 
I mean, you could really spread out yeah. everywhere. So you really do just build where it's cheap, where it currently is cheap. Uh, all of a sudden, property values, other than like, I think people would still want to live like lake properties and stuff, but but location to inner city stuff, or not inner well, but, city, but just city stuff wouldn't matter anymore. Well, right. I mean, think about how it changes the existence of cities and the layout of cities, because I think what you said is right. Like, you know, people who want a thing, if they want a chicken sandwich, they want the best chicken sandwich and so it's going to be in the chicken sandwich business's interest to build a mega chicken sandwich store that can accommodate a thousand people all teleporting in at every hour of the day right that's in their business yeah. interest yeah. to be able to do that and so but but now you know traditionally a city the utility of a city is that the companies are physically near each other so that they can engage in trade and you know, people have access to all the st- stuff they can communicate, and that's why people congregate together. But now all of that congregation distance is irrelevant, and instead cities, I predict, would end up being congregations or maybe not even congregations. They would just be – you wouldn't have cities. You would have chicken restaurant megaopolis, right? It would be the <laughs> – That's weird. You would have chicken restaurant town, and you would have – you know, like the best, uh, like other restaurant type or product producing location. Like, oh, you want the best socks? Come to sock buying town. Sockopolis, sockopolis. And everyone buys opolis. their socks, right? Like, I mean, you would <laughs> I because they like this though. Uh, I can see that developing, but aren't <clears throat> I'm sad that like I'm picturing the diner, you know, or like Betsy the wait waitress, like. Well, and yeah, the good right. relationship she has with that regular guy and like, you know, oh, he yeah. orders the apple pie and really it's not that great apple pie, but he loves it, damn it. You know, he loves sure. the apple pie and Betsy loves serving in the apple pie. But this disappears in this world a little bit. Right. Like, well, think about personal how, small mom and pop stuff. Like, right. Well, think know. about how many average restaurants there are. Yeah. At most at, on <laughs> average. You know, sure. Right. I mean, almost all restaurants are just your mediocre restaurants, essentially by definition. But. But how many of those restaurants are someone's favorite restaurant? And like right now, there are towns that probably consist of nothing but average restaurants. And, you know, a town doesn't have any world-class restaurant. I mean, this seems obvious, right? Yes. And so why would anyone teleport to that average town for food when they could go to the spot for the best of whatever it is? I mean, obviously, we get back to where we talked about there has to be some like people swamping the tropical island for vacation. People are going to swamp the chicken restaurant. They're going to yeah. swamp it. And, like, there's going to have to be some sort of limit imposed where, you know, you di- you're you standing in your fridge and you're dialing in the, the address for chicken restaurant. And it says, beep, beep, beep. Sorry, it's busy. You know, it's there are too many people there. There's going to have to be some sort of limitation imposed. I mean, demand so, sometimes yeah depends on limited supply it creates a sort of demand like if we're if i can get the best chicken sandwich all the time then it doesn't but man if i did have to wait you're right i think limitations would start to be whether it's artificial or not like it wouldn't be there just are limitations well yeah i mean it to start it wouldn't be artificial it would be real because you would Maybe you dial the address and you step out and you step out into a crowd of people. And it's as if, you know, you walked into a restaurant and find that the line is looping. You know, you go to Chick-fil-A and you pull in and the car line is looped around the entire restaurant. That's just something that happens right now. Yeah. And you, maybe you go, I can't deal with I can't wait this long. So I'm leaving. 
that would happen, but just on a wildly increased scale because now people from all over the world would be teleporting to the chicken restaurant and you're going to arrive and find a crowd of people. And if they, if the restaurant can't keep up, which is likely, yeah, then like, it's going to be, I think there's going to be a lot of frustration involved. Do you, do you think people, I think people want local mom and pop the best. So when it becomes chickenopolis or whatever, and it's this shiny mall sized building and like, yeah. Even if it's well done and the sandwich actually hasn't compromised in flavor, they're able to marinate it because they were able to marinate, you know, 3,000 pounds of chicken over 48 hours. And so it's the tenderest. It really is awesome mm-hmm. still. So we can't. no one could complain that, oh, they've sold out and they went cheap or something. No, it really is free, freaking fantastic. But you're walking in and getting this, I mean, unbelievably sleek, corporate, shiny. Like, I don't think people want – well, I don't know, actually, but – I would want the, like, I liked, I watched a YouTube video the other day about this Japanese place makes the best burger in the world or something, and, it, and all it was, it actually had no commentary, it was them, uh, what, what, is it called SMR, what is that when you're watching the la- the sounds, yeah. and it was almost like that, where you're watching, but the, the food is sizzling, and the meat, and the, the whole thing was just watching them make it, and they can only make so many a day, and it was this tiny little place, and this village, and like that was so appealing, being this, they can only make you know twenty burgers a day, and when they sell out, they sell out because that's all the meat they can get. And like, well, whatever. I mean, we went to places like that when we were in Japan, like ramen. But places isn't that or a, the appeal? Like we like the small stuff. So like everyone yeah. fought to the small stuff. It becomes the megaopolis, whatever. And then, and then well, like, do we want that still? You well, know? well, I mean, whether it becomes the megaopolis or not depends on the business and. But but imagine it just puts you in a difficult spot because as a business owner, a restaurant owner, say, you have to decide, okay, like I now have demand like crazy. Do I scale up my business and lose some of my soul potentially or do I stay true to who I am and only serve 20 burgers a day? And you can make that decision. But imagine how frustrating it would be to be a customer of that place. In Yeah. Because all of a sudden I can be a customer when I can't be right now, you know. Right, right, and so you would, you know, you would be dialing that restaurant every day, or, or they would, you know, introduce some sort of scheduling system, and you would have to schedule four and a half years in advance. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I want, yeah. I want my Japanese burger, you know, in twenty twenty five. <laughs> which is ridiculous but that's or the they just of- say no i'm gonna charge uh you know 95 dollars instead of 12.95 or something you know that's like, true oh yeah. my god <laughs> yeah right i mean they would that's what they would do that's what they would do right there would be crazy not to because that's supply and demand that's the market and that just kind of sucks a little bit but i mean you have access to it so i don't know what to think about that yeah it will you were alluding to this, but why do towns and, and villages and cities and why does it all exist the way it exists? I mean, proximity is the reason. Like, yeah. build near a river because it provides water, and then out of that build, you know, people are all in this area to shop or buy, and so we have this commerce area, and, like, this is why. And now all of a sudden you've – I mean, modern technology has gotten rid of – we don't need a city to be on a river. I mean, that's old stuff, but it's still nice. It's lovely. Rivers are lovely. Well, but a lot of our cities exist because they're on rivers or oceanfront, you know, for, right. for commerce, historical commerce purposes. So now we don't need that, and we don't even need – we don't need, like, 
our societal structure based on the introduction of of this of these refrigerators <laughs> it completely changes and so you do have to think more globally on like how are we going to orient and arrange ourselves and I don't even it, 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 I can't even conceptualize it how much what? this radically transforms why we locate ourselves where we locate ourselves what does immigration look like with these things like i'm just thinking about like you know in the united states the border is a contentious issue and we have a lot of illegal immigration and people you know trying to cross the border and swim across the river and invade people but now you could just refrigerate yourself it makes me wonder 50 years down the road how much does it the the countries and stuff matter is what if what if you get a more monolithic culture where like it all kind of ride there like right now it seems like there is a u.s popular culture and europe popular culture and whatever asian popular culture but like and and i think that stuff's going to persist i don't really think that would break down but but why 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 do we have those cultures because people are physically bound to the location and they've existed throughout time in proximity to each other for hundreds of years but now you don't have to exist in proximity to people who you know, I think in some ways that's how Hollywood that's how everyone sort of like a, the modern world really embraces western thought and western forms of entertainment like even though you call it like K-pop and stuff it's really heavily heavily borrowed from like american pop culture you know like these mm-hmm these the song and the style and all that and it's because of the proliferation of hollywood as like here is what beauty looks like here is what sexy awesome this is how movies are this is what entertainment is in on film like they set the standard and so it like permeated and it's had really difficult to conceptualize but that like really did say like all right that's the standard and it does seem like everyone in one form or another in different flavors, of course, and little different spices and different cultural influences, but it's still going for what Hollywood is doing. And so I think you, in, in a way, there's a monoculture around Hollywood. I think that's what you would see come out around. I don't really know. I, I mean, I think people do want to have different types of food. Like there's going to be barbecue and I mean, people want choice and all of this, but like, so I, I just don't know. But like a good show, and and I don't know. I don't know what the arts, I don't know what happens to all this. I don't know, like, do you start to, is there more increased demand to learn new languages? Or does one language, does like English or Mm. another language start to rise? Because like, oh, I want to see a play. I can go see any play. Like all of a sudden, you know, theater becomes different. Like live, live entertainment. I want to go see the best performers do this, whatever. Wow, yeah, that's an interesting thought. Like what happens to concerts and plays sports and and you basically never if you're a decent production you never have an empty audience because like you could just oh my gosh uh, imagine imagine you could go on to like there there would be some website introduced that keeps track of when plays are about to start you could just go on and see oh let me just find a play with an empty seat in it and you could just find it doesn't matter where it's located you just look for oh i'm ready to see a play let's see what's about to start you find one with an empty seat, walk through your refrigerator, and you're there like, oh watching the play. Yeah. And as time gets closer and closer, 10 minutes, the sales for the tickets drop Those, or something. Or, yeah, or, right, or right. Like, like, okay. I mean, I could do a whole English class on, like, we're going to see shows together and wait, and I need a 20 or 16 kids in a class. So I have, like, 17 block 
seats like so i can turn that on on that website and says go see this movie or this play tonight and we all go watch it and then we like write a paper about it or whatever mm-hmm. i don't know like what a cool anyway uh and that, you could do settings like i want five star four star or above you know when the... anyway i would just be going and seeing plays all the freaking time I, uh, gosh uh there well assuming of course that you don't run into the same problem that you do with the japanese burger right where it costs 95 dollars. yeah you're right well i mean yeah if if (sighs) if if everyone was i just wonder if it would be like a really rejuvenating thing for the arts for for because plays and stuff right now are intended um by like there, there are two sort of breakdowns it's sort of like an older people thing or it's more of an elite thing it doesn't seem to be this uh I mean, like teenagers aren't going. Let's go see the play on Friday nights. Like they're not doing that. They're, right. It's just know. a small segment. Whatever the lame segment of the population is, <laughs> those are the people going to see them. And I think so. it's just it's the access and the, I don't know exactly, but like there's some um, messaging. I mean, look, I don't see why plays wouldn't be absolutely as every bit as popular as movies, if not more so. You can see a live performance of anything. The respect there is so is so awesome. Like It's so cool to see someone who's like memorized a bunch of lines, but they deliver it in a compelling way that makes you forget well, that it's so, you know, so uh, well, awesome. If you're right, if you're right, and their plays are so amazing, and live entertainment is so amazing, why aren't, why isn't there more? So, I mean, like right now, I do think it is like, like you look up prices for plays, you are talking $80, $95 to go see a play. Like, you're, then it's just like, nah, that gets into, that's a not quite worth it. If, if, and I don't know that they're selling out every play and, or that like, I, I think access is a problem and I think image is a problem. So, and I do access, think they're probably, access is a problem. Um, I think, well, I think you get it. Is it access because of location or access because of price? I mean, if you tell me that tickets are $95, I can understand people not wanting to spend $95. Maybe you can make the case that people don't have $95 to spend on a luxury like seeing a play, and that's an access problem. But these places are located in the middle of big cities, right? So certainly there's a population. Physical access isn't the problem here. I just Yeah, price. I think you're going to have a hard time. Even people that respect the arts and love it and stuff, to say, all right, 70 bucks, 90 bucks, whatever it may be, for two hours of entertainment. Like, they'll say something like 70 bucks for going to Bush Gardens. Okay, that's a day's worth of entertainment. And they don't really factor in that it's really going to be like 140 because they're going to buy a bunch of stuff like water and whatever, um, <laughs> right. parking and food there and all that you know really though you, you walk away spending a lot more than that but they go okay 70 bucks for the saturday and that really takes care of the whole weekend like okay that weekend i went to bush gardens and like so all of a sudden 70 bucks for the weekend sounds great um what in a play i think they see it as like 70 bucks uh and then i'm probably gonna make, make it it becomes this sort of big date night like the way it's it's like we got oh, getting dressed up which is gonna get some people excited and a lot of people not excited and like it probably has a gender breakdown pretty clearly like men not that excited about dressing up women are and women are this it fits into like the ultimate date night you go have a nice dinner you get dressed up and you go see a play like that's a pretty freaking up there date night that probably breaks down to like females loving it and males not so wild about it um and and like on the male end of that one (laughs) that that sounds like a it sounds like an unpleasant evening to me. 
that uh-huh. also so you take let's call it 70 bucks times two then you go have a meal that's like yeah. if it if it fits the evening that's a hundred dollar meal um and then dressing up like there's depending on if you go like a lot of times people will be oh let's i'll get a dress for the evening like or or you know go shopping a little get something and it's like all of a sudden we're talking hundreds and hundreds of dollars and that's what i mean is just like that's not i think we need to casualize the arts a little bit and like it, so, it's it's reputation right now is it's fine you know, it's it's very hoity toity at the moment yes but how does that change with the teleportation refrigerator like how does that change? Um, People don't have to get dressed up, and they yeah, I think casualization, date. just like anything, we start to see less and less. Like people are just popping in to see the play, and and then mm-hmm. people are actually just like the reason people go to the arts right now is oftentimes that big evening idea of like a big date and stuff. But like when it when it starts to be like about the show, teleportation emphasizes like how good is this show, and people are actually going and going, holy shit, this person can sing really well, or. Uh, whatever the, the you know the dance numbers or the scene made me cry i don't know whatever it is it's like the whistling, show standing the whistler, a really yeah. good whistler <laughs> tap dance whatever whistler <laughs> but but uh, yeah, they that, start there's to, a really they appreciate the art for the art and not all the surrounding stuff whistling so. is a really underappreciated art it seems like there should be a whistling show like they have stomp for percussion. Where's where's the whistling version of you know? Yeah. Actually, I can imagine like maybe like a Cirque du Soleil like uh, segment where some world class whistlers really blow your mind with some intricate whistling whilst doing something else like juggling too or I don't know some sort of distraction while whistling. Yeah, that's that probably exists. <laughs> I would teleport to go see it. Uh, do you think by like, the way those like one act like okay let's let's say take my argument for a second that arts the arts really does explode and people go watch Cirque du Soleil and see essentially an assortment of physical talents I'll just call it that do you think someone could break free and say look okay I'm the best juggler in the world I don't need to ter- team up with Cirque du Soleil I can actually do my 20 minute act on my own build my own little theater charge 15 bucks a ticket people teleport in get wowed by my act like i'm just curious if that could you could start to stand on your own or do you have to team up with some i mean obviously to me certainly i go and watch an hour and a half or whatever it is and you're blown away by the 10 15 different world-class acts and you walk away going which was your favorite and then you go oh yeah that one was amazing and like that's part of the the spectacle is the lots of them it's the ensemble yeah it is and i agree that as a an audience i appreciate that but also like i could just see if you had the world's best juggling act and it was 15 bucks and my dad was in town visiting and i'd be like oh tonight you and i we got to just it's almost like you know how you show someone a YouTube video, but yeah. like for but like for fifteen bucks for the live amazing thing, you'd probably just do it and be and then I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but I, could... I I mean yeah, you're probably right. There, I mean I'm sure that people would try that sort of thing, but it seems like you lose something. Well, you, that's a detriment. Lose, I'm just yeah. You lose the dramatic positioning of your act within a larger story or feel you know like in Cirque du Soleil they construct the the arc of all of the acts so that you know by the end of it you're like what you're you've been wowed by multiple things that are impressive and that that just makes the the later things even more impressive 
Whereas if you had, you know, an amazing juggler just on his own and he has a 15 minute juggling act or something, or maybe a 30 minute juggling act or whatever it is, but like you're not in the mindset of being wowed and you're stepping through the juggler's fridge and you're saying, all right, show me what you got. And he tosses his watermelons in the air really quick <laughs> and he's, he's tossing them and you're like, oh man, I couldn't toss a watermelon like that. And then he tosses a few more and puts a chainsaw in there or something. And it's like, yeah, all right, that's great. And then he stops and he said, and he bows and he says, there it is. There's my act. And you go, yeah, all right, that was cool. And you walk back through his fridge and that's the end of it. It just loses some dramatic element, right? I mean, I totally agree with you. See, I'm it just seems like if it would I, I imagine break down like that. That's if, all. If, if I was going to try to change the structure of things like that using the teleportation devices, I would arrange a, almost a tour. Right? It would be like, okay, first you're going to walk through the fridge and see the juggling act, and you would have some some music and choreography. You'd have a show on, and then you, in a structured way, you would the audience would file out through the refrigerator into the next act, and it would you'd still try to construct this. Arc. Be easier for the one other person to just teleport. Whoever the you know the next act is to teleport. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. That would be better. That would be better. No, but yeah, the that tour, was the that tour. Was, I, yeah. It's well, you know. So it really is easy for these acts but, to but, come but together. The, the, that you the get reason, better shows. The, the reason why it would be my way, your, your way is better. Your way makes more sense. But the reason why it could be my way is that the acts don't necessarily have to be associated with one another. It could be an unofficial to show, right? Like in the same yes, way that you can yes, have an unofficial it. city tour. Like you know those people who um, have city tours and ghost tours or whatever. Yep, yep. Like you, it could be something like that, not arranged by the Cirque du Soleil company. It could be something else. It could be like no, I like that. Whatever yeah. you could try something like that anyway. But you're right. If you were going to do a, a, a cohesive whole. It would be silly to teleport the audience <laughs> to all these different <laughs> locations, <laughs> unless the location was something important. Like if it was a tightrope walker across the Grand Canyon, obviously, you know the location matters. But you just made me think of another. Well, first of all, like lots of lives are going to be saved with no car wrecks. Um, oh well, once sh- it, certainly. And then yeah. so that's awesome, and no drunk driving type stuff. So, and I was just thinking when you were talking about doing a tour and I thought pub crawls and these sorts of things and then I just was going to ask what do you think happens to nightlife um, hmm. with this system like what changes and like there's like there's always the pre-game, pre-game right people get together they drink before going out now going out th- there's always been a barrier of like calling the Uber or having the designated driver or um, and then there's waiting in line at these pretentious clubs or paying a cover charge or whatever it may be. I don't know. But um, I'm just curious, yeah, what this does to nightlife. Uh, well, I mean, you're constrained by it only being nighttime on half of the earth at any given time, right? So, like, you. When the whole world is your oyster, when the third rock from the sun is your <laughs> oyster, then you can step through your fridge and have nightlife anywhere, location-wise, it, it but you're to, still yeah. restricted by time. So I don't know. It would be weird, right? Because, again, like I say, lunch t- it's lunchtime everywhere. It's also you know 9 p.m. Some- somewhere it's always 9 p.m. And so you could go out, or 10 p.m. or whatever, you could go out in a location it would yeah, I mean, be, you would have to arrange p- 
places to go out. It would be strange. I it certainly think alcoholics or, or people that are undisciplined in partying would be tempted. It's weird, right? And you get off work or whatever. Whatever. It just it could be four o'clock, and I can go out in a nightclub life anytime yeah. I want, anywhere. Um, or would nightclubs even locally start to like say, "All right, we're going to get rid of our windows and just make it like, like if you have a cool venue and you need it to have a, I mean, any any club or bar or whatever is going to be reasonably dark. I mean, that's part of the and, and whether it's some lasers oh, yeah. or just low. It doesn't lighting. have to be at night. It just yeah. has to be dark. Yeah, and so. Um, they just and might, it doesn't matter. Like, have to have doors, really, right? Yeah, the no, reason why nightclubs don't run twenty four hours a day right now is because it's not night all the time, and where they're physically located, no one's going to come get really drunk and dance. You know, at, yeah, you'd, at you'd have different waves coming in. At, yeah, you'd have different waves all the time. So it yeah. would just literally be well, like partying. How weird! Oh, how weird would stop. it be to you know you have these shifts and you come in to work at the nightclub and they're like. Oh, it's Australia hour, isn't it? Oh, God. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Here we go. Australians. You could see like, all of our Australians. Ster- stereotypes start to emerge about the annoying Australians. <laughs> the time or zones. And, yeah. Yeah, based on yeah. time zones. That's really funny. You time work zone in, racism. And yeah, stuff. you work in your nightclub or restaurant or whatever, and you're like, oh, God, here it comes. It's American hour. Here comes all the Americans. <laughs> or, you know, whatever hour it is. That's really funny. Huh really funny and like i was just thinking even the design the way we design doors i think you're obviously going to have for fire hazards and stuff like that uh safety stuff like you need doors but part of me was like wait you don't need doors you just teleport to the club that way you well that's what i was thinking when you said uh, you know you could have a nightclub just with no windows i was thinking well my mind immediately went to like like drug manufacturing or like you know this weed farms where they have lights you know and it's all yeah. in interior so it can't be discovered i mean you could have inaccessible underground bunkers that have literally you, you oh build the tunnel gosh. you build a tunnel down there to build it and then you collapse the tunnel and there's no way in or out except for through the teleport machine I mean that could cause problems, right? Like, yeah, it could what be if, all sorts of nefarious things could happen, you know. Yeah, oh. and oh, yeah, that's kind of crazy to think about. Oh, but yeah, but I it also means make of it. It also means to, on the less nefarious end that you could like you could build this amazing house on a mountain top or mountain ledge or valley or just anywhere you can get the materials, and you don't need a driveway. You don't, you, you know you. You only have to be able to get there once to build it and place your refrigerator, and then uh, you can just Would have some amazing. First, can you? Places. Can you? Are, maybe this is again. This wasn't your idea because you seem to balk at the food idea. But like supplies and lumber and whatever. Like, can I just keep? I did think about that. There? I, I was thinking about that when I was thinking about it because you know, based on <laughs> you were thinking about that when you were thinking about it. <laughs> based on yeah, that's what I do. I usually think while I think. Yeah. Um, but. Based on what I had thought, you know, it's the size of a, of a refrigerator, and in order to teleport, you have to close. You have to be able to close the door, and then you know, go boop, and it teleports. So you could only, f- you couldn't fit, for example, a mattress. You couldn't. You would have to get your mattress to your mountaintop house some other way. Um, well, yeah, that's why I'm picturing um, different sized ones and like bulk ones for construction sites and like that they might bring over right, we're building you a house so what we're going to do is go plug the first thing we're doing is getting power so we can plug in our 
industrial industrial refrigerator. One. And, industrial and, refrigerator. Yeah, that can is quadruple wide and can put yeah. lumber that are like and then they, and then when they're all done they just plug in your single person or two person wide whatever refrigerator size thing yeah yeah i mean that's that's that is a future that would probably happen to i don't know why i don't like that I, like it's almost <laughs> like it's too good to be true in my imaginary hypothetical teleportation world that's just too good to be true we can't have that it has to be refrigerator sized <laughs> things you know <laughs> they wouldn't dare expand upon it you have to get out to get your chicken sandwich don't be crazy daniel you don't suggest just they're just deliver gonna... <laughs> a chicken sandwich yeah. what in what world <laughs> can you just have a chicken sandwich delivered to you <laughs> don't get crazy <laughs> Uh, that'd be so lazy i can't even imagine <laughs> why would they do that well i yeah i mean you i were, do think because well, you were enjoying the thought experiment of adventure and you were and it was actually cutting at deeply at adventure and in fact or actually being like regressive towards some of those things like people i mean obviously and we're doing this now like our living space we're kind of rethinking okay if you're gonna work from home what do you have a working space so do you need a dedicated room for that um and and then again you you said this early on but i can see the way there are like foyers or mud rooms or whatever yeah. i'm picturing teleportation rooms that would almost be like right. depending on the the you know socioeconomic status of the people like i can see one having a little lounge like a chair and stuff and, and here's, like, th- here's yeah. here's a- Here's an yeah. Oh, sorry, I don't mean to t- totally cut you off there. Yeah, yeah you w- it would become like a household fixture. You know, like the TV is the center of the. Well, I mean, room. I also wonder: do you do you? Someone's coming over. Do you go ahead and sit on that couch you have ready when they show up? You go, oh hi there. Or do you like, or does it become polite? A new form <laughs> to of knock etiquette when, when you arrive yes. inside the refrigerator. Yes. You knock. <laughs> you, you're allowed. You you know, you're in. You come out of the refrigerator, but you're in this room, right? And so the oh, polite yeah, sure, etiquette right. that's come is like, look, you put a mirror there. Maybe it, maybe you even put a sink or, a, or maybe it's in a restroom. It's like a, wait, it's like a waiting room. Yes, so they know? can, and it's not unusual. Like depending on the person, like it's like you hear them arrive, but the polite thing is to let them gather the things. Maybe they need to use the restroom. You powder their nose, whatever they need to do, and so <laughs> you kind of wait for them to knock on your door yeah. to what you consider your Inside actual your home. home yeah <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, and yeah. you kind of like some people like pretty much just go and knock on the door and that becomes that it's just kind of weird when you hear them messing about and you're like when are they gonna i mean I, I know they're here but i'm pretending i don't know this and like waiting for them would you, to knock and say i'm here <laughs> would, you, would you lock your refrigerator at night i think you lock that door you lock to the, your the house door to that room yeah. yes so that's a locked off thing that's weird yeah, yeah that's what i'm picturing yeah Huh. I, I was thinking this too, just when you mentioned, depending on socioeconomic class, like the way I position this thing is that it's a, you know, it's the price of a mid-level sedan and it's $25,000 or something. Yeah. Like there's going to be some underclass of people who don't have the uh, teleport, teleport. They might have a neighborhood one. Yeah. 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 Is, are there public teleportation devices or what, do there, do, you know, we said in this future that cities aren't really necessary anymore you just need chickenopolis and sockopolis or whatever but but is there still a necessity for a city simply because some people can't teleport whenever they want willy-nilly and well, good so question. Does are there help? like did the only cities left become these kind of impoverished uh locations for for you know low-income people like is it kind of like 
ghettoized cities and then chickenopolises. Like what a what a weird <laughs> Ter- cultural landscape, yeah. like dystopian sort of thing. And I actually was just picturing apartments. I mean, why would they stop? Like you know, affordable living in which you are all to get. Like it makes sense. So and like apartments are going to have. Yeah. Depending on the size, three or four portals at the at their clubhouse or whatever. I don't know, but right. Yeah, I don't. And then, oh, and I just thought on the opposite end of that, you have someone who has their home is almost an estate, right? They have a guest house or something and a pool, and they they just go ahead and put three, you know, in there. So if they want to go to the guest house, they just teleport from their oh, their yeah, bedroom have... to the yeah, just a couple of them just to go around their property and stuff like that, which would be that's interesting. I mean, think about why have your property in one place? Like, why not have your master bedroom? you know, on your tropical island and and then... Oh, that's so weird. A, be- a, a bedroom that's like a glass dome or something really cool yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. really weird. <laughs> why would your home be... Be a why, continuous structure. Why would you ever have more than one room in a spot? <laughs> you wouldn't need to. It could just be... <laughs> so weird. That's strange, yeah. I mean, you would still... There are still some engineering things that we haven't thought about because they're kind of mundane could, and boring like the electricity cost of per teleportation how much does it cost and uh you know that sort of thing like you you could have your glass dome and you know under the stars wherever but you still have to be able to power that location and all that stuff also could you potentially like would renting services like okay i was just i don't know how to this is not fully explored but um Let's say, like this place said, we're gonna have bathrooms, the most incredible bathrooms, and you can, and for thirty bucks a month, this is a, like, you a just very Daniel, to... a very Daniel thought. <laughs> oh, wow, what would I do with my teleporting refrigerator? I want access to the best bathroom best in the world. Bath- and like, so you pay a, if you're part of a club where it has these gorgeous bathrooms. That's how you, in the morning I teleport to the bathroom with like unbelievable water pressure and you know wood panel or ceramic that looks like wood it's like it's eight <laughs> right. foot or 10 foot ceilings for it 20 20 foot ceilings whatever 40 foot ceilings um yeah, 100 and, foot ceilings. but no but the point is like and like and like they have people stocked there for you know, to give you your towels i don't know i'm just saying like <laughs> could your daily routine could you say yes i'm worried i want to invest in that because like i just give them the towel at the end but they're like these plush unbelievable towels and like the floor is heated and all you know what i mean like yeah. it's just i could see these weird spot like like our access to spa stuff might really increase like people might want to pamper themselves well, um in that way so, in a different way i don't know right I, i'm just imagining you're gonna have to end up with like for all of these luxury things that we proposed whether it's seeing a play getting the best chicken sandwich having your dual spray shower and heated floor (laughs) fluffy towel no matter what it is there's going to be a demand demand is going to be high and access despite being able to teleport anywhere now you've got the entire civilized world all trying to access the best thing at the same time you're going to have to have some sort of scheduling thing so what if right my bathroom thing would be from seven to eight on weekdays or something like that what if instead of having to micromanage like that instead you actually don't know where you're going to go you don't know that you're going to step out of the teleporting refrigerator in you know in columbus ohio to get the best bathroom that they've constructed or whatever wherever that best bathroom is you don't actually know that you just type into your you know, your, your um, companion device to your teleporter, you say, 
luxury spa. Yeah, whatever company some, I'm paying thirty bucks. I you, just have some say check, you have some check boxes, and it it scans all of the databases and everything, and it pops up and says, "Oh, there's an opening, you know, right now at you know Deluxe Luxury Spa Inc." And maybe and well, it tells you I the information, and you can say, "Oh, okay, that sounds good." It tells you the price right there. You click go, you step in, and now you're there. You find a place that's open and has a spot. You don't I'm know fu- where it is. You don't know or care where it is necessarily. You just step out well, and you're there. Imagine this business model. Then a company comes and says, "All right, Daniel, you'll pay us thirty bucks a month, and and we." guarantee this level of quality for your deluxe spa experience so all you got to do is, and yeah you're not going you're not going to columbus you're not going to macon you don't know where you're going but um you are going to one that they've this company has said you will get this quality experience yes, and so right. so i don't t- it's not even looking so the, the we're saying kind of the same thing except imagine all these businesses that would go that would crop up to say i'm going to go around find all this level of whatever the product is team up with 15 different places that agree to house you know these people you know i give them a cut a a big part of the cut and like they pay me so this person pays me 30 bucks i'm the company they pay me 30 bucks a month and i send them to one of these 15 so i'm just distributing Mm -hmm. all of the be like a travel agent but for everything (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for everything, it, and that could even would it probably wouldn't work with food because I'd want you know people want like this chicken sandwich from this place, but um, yeah, that but you would still have chickenopolis, like you would have the people would Chick-fil-A. demand the yeah they want that that thing, but when it comes to yeah like spas and stuff, I have a feeling they just want quality experiences. I would I don't mean maybe I'm wrong. You'd start to really know. When you need it to be a brand or a, a, a type of like flavor and stuff, you know, because like honey mustard tastes different from place to place, ranch tastes different from place to place. Obviously, burgers with all their multiple ingredients taste wildly different. So you don't just say I want a burger. No, you say I want a burger well, from you that, might. that place. You can obviously, you can. You're right. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You people would have their particular tastes. I mean, I have particular tastes for some things, but, but. But you could also go, I want a delicious burger. I mean, just think of how many delicious burger places there are in the United States where you could go and have a delicious burger, right? And you could go on Yelp right now and look for the best burger and probably find a place somewhere in the United States that you've never been to that looks delicious. And so if you had this companion device or application or website or whatever it is, then maybe you could just type in, I want a delicious luxury burger. And there are a few checkboxes to give you some detailed breakdowns. And, you know, the first one on the list pops up and you just go, yep, I'll go there. And you step through because they have an opening and you just step through and go there. It would be kind of adventurous to be able to do that because right now you're you're limited by location. You have to say, oh, what's the best burger place near me, you know, within right. driving distance yep, of me. Near me is like a thing you see pop up on yeah. Google Maps anytime. Yeah. Right, and you wouldn't have to do that anymore. You would just go, "I want a really good burger." You have to trust that you know that the system can adequately rate that burger, but still. Does the Amazon model have any insight? In the same way, we say something like, "I need a shower stopper," or "I need," or, or whatever you know, shower organizer rack. Like, and you go there and you start <laughs> reading some reviews. Have they paved the pathway that would? Would we use a similar path toward getting at products and food and all this with these teleportation machines? Yeah, I don't see how it could go 
any other way, right? I mean, we're it's in the business's interest to have their business essentially crowdsourced. You know, they they can't market to the entire world, right? So, you know, they they have to be listed in some sort of aggregation thing. The the best way to do it is to crowdsource reviews. At least I can't think of any better way. Um, you know, the old model is something like a telephone book, right? Like. If you want to know the <laughs> you, you want to know the phone number of someone in your city, you have this massive book of pages that you have to flip through alphabetically. Oh, funny, yeah. Well, when that comes to the okay, I want I want a new soap dispenser. Well, are you going to have a soap dispenser catalog with every soap dispenser company and their teleporting refrigerator numbers so that you can step through and get one? No, obviously not. You're going to have some Amazon style ranking. I think all of this really you're not going to like this, but inflates the necessity for advertising because being discovered is i mean so much now i mean ideally no it's like oh it tastes really good so everyone's mm-hmm. going to keep coming back or the product's really good we know that but like getting discovered is so difficult there's obviously really high quality products that are better that don't take off the way right. some other well, products do so. I, I mean also think about how it changes competition because like now you're not competing with the people in your city. You don't have to have the best burger in your city or on your block or whatever. You have to have the best burger or the, you have to be in the top percentage of burgers in the world or at least in, in, in the world, really. And if like it's going to be the death of mediocre to bad yeah. places yeah. because who's going to go thing, there? Though? Yeah, maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> maybe it is a good thing. Except but... except what sucks is I believe those people that love their favorite restaurant is that place where they get that mediocre burger and that mediocre service. I, I think you develop, again, like we were just talking about smells and you can develop a relationship with them. I think you develop a relationship with that mediocre burger and you do love it. Like yeah. you do love that mediocre no, thing. No, that's true. And some, some of it's about the experience and that experience would filter through and people would still visit places. Even if they have a mediocre burger, if the vibe is really cool, then No, I still think it there. would close down. I think I think it wouldn't be enough. For, I still think that mediocre well, burger would be lost. But I think what I'm saying is part of me is like, who cares? We lose a bunch of bad and mediocre stuff. But I'm trying to say, look, there's actually well, some real value lost in those mediocre burgers going well, away. Here's another value lost thing. Well, because some businesses have learning curves, right? Like, yeah. if you, uh, imagine if you wanted to start a burger restaurant in 50 years after the teleporting refrigerator has been invented, then you have to immediately have a competitive burger on the world stage in order to have people. That maybe yeah, you don't. Fair. Maybe that's so maybe, not fair. <laughs> maybe there's maybe there's so many people always wanting a burger and and you have in the same like I think about video games like you know you can you can play what's new you can play the latest indie game what's new and you sell it for ninety nine cents and you know ten thousand people will download it and play it just because they're looking for a new experience. Maybe you start your burger restaurant and, you know, you have to start out selling cheap burgers. But again, like, yeah, you're competing with all the best burger places in the world, but the the market is also the entire world. Like, there are 7 billion, 8 billion people who could potentially want your burger. Well, that's... And if you can only make 100 burgers a day, let's say, I don't know, then... You only have to find 100 people out of 8 billion people to buy a burger from you. I don't know. Maybe you have a better shot than I think. That's what I can't tell. Are we talking about a world in which monopolies crop up and are and just destroy everything? Or are we actually talking about a world on the opposite in which mom and pops uh, thrive because all they have to do is find 100, you know? Right. It's hard to 
think it's hard to tell which way it's going to go because i mean i tend to i'm scared that it's monopoly because people aren't going to say i'll just take a risk with the mediocre mom and pop no i everyone's going to go toward the top of the list five star most five star review they just are let's 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 think let's see if we can answer the question because we can't the internet in a way is the barrier less you know wild west it's okay. just it's just information distribution instead of chicken sandwich distribution and whatever, <laughs> yeah. right? And and like it started out with the internet being thousands, millions of individual web pages, and you know you could find web pages for any little thing. And you know we had our own web page when we were kids. Uh, what was it called? Xpage.com. Boo boo, you stupid. Boo boo, you stupid. We were in like fifth grade or something, and it was yeah. hilarious. Uh, oh man. And, and anyway, like that's. We had that, but but now things have sort of changed. So that, I mean, certainly there are still endless numbers of websites, but they've kind of congregated in areas, right? Like you have, you know, YouTube, which is an umbrella that covers tons and tons and tons of different. I mean, people go to YouTube for their particular thing. If you want to buy something, you go to Amazon, right? Like you don't often buy from standalone websites. It right. does kind of congregate into these sort of Uber sites, mega sites, monopoly sites, um, and I wonder if you know in in the real world with this sort of elimination of travel barriers, that same thing wouldn't happen. I kind of tend to think it would. You would have Chickenopolis, and and, and people would be going there instead of to the the little chicken website. Yeah, that's sad. I think. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't invent this thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just don't trust. Well, it's not trust. I mean, I would do the same thing. I wouldn't go. I guess I guess it depends on what cultural push. If it was like whatever aggregate Amazon style thing said, try something new. You go, want a burger? Try something new. And then it just shows you a bunch of mom and pop startups that post a picture of their burger. And you just kind of go... And we actually have a different cultural attitude, so we do shift away from "I just want the best." And they go, "You know what? There's just a lot of freaking good hamburgers out there." And I'm not, I, I've maybe we would learn pretty quickly that yeah, this thing has three billion reviews of five stars, but like, you know, I don't know, food man. Ter- food varies so much. I just will try a good looking burger. Uh, maybe. Yeah. No. I, I don't. I just don't trust humans to actually do that. No, I'm going for the. F- three billion review like you better believe i'm gonna try that burger (laughs) like right right yeah it's i don't know i mean well i guess on the plus side with respect to food you eat three meals a day so there's a lot of room for experimentation you know if you if you yeah maybe the first time you walk through your refrigerator to get a burger you go to burgeropolis because it's got the five-star burger but after three months of eating maybe then you're like you know what i do i'm tired of the burgeropolis even though it's five-star delicious amazing I just kind of want to try something else. And maybe you I do mean, that. that's when you could start rewarding creativity. Like I really want one with pimento cheese and a fried green tomato or something. And I can't find that at Burgeropolis. So it would maybe elevate food creativity and we would reward that sort of thing. Because even if like Burgeropolis is like, oh, well, you know, you can build your own burger and make a pimento cheese and fried green tomato burger. Like, I don't know, like seeing one called like, mama's southern burger and that's what comes with pimento cheese and fried green tomato like that just like they made it and like it feels like it belongs versus me just adding some toppings and build your own burger it is not as special well Um, yeah i tend to think i I tend to think that the more you reduce barriers especially economically 
the more you encourage specialization. So maybe it wouldn't be Burgeropolis. Maybe it would be pimento cheese and fried green tomato Burgeropolis. Like you're going to have places specialize in the narrowest possible thing that they can be the best at. You're just going to shrink the niches. And because the market grows so gigantically and everyone can get to your market. So why, why dilute your efforts into making a barbecue burger and an avocado burger and a pimento cheeseburger when you could make the best pimento cheeseburger yeah. and have everyone that wants a pimento cheeseburger come to your restaurant. That makes sense to me. Um, yeah, and that's kind of what I was saying is, well, would any would they even serve like fries or would you just yeah, also order right. from well, best fries restaurant, you know? So Yeah, I, I guess know. that depends on how easy it is to get from place to well, place like are there queues and stuff because... and i also think people still want to sit sitting in like dining in a restaurant is definitely a whole experience people really like that's clear it makes you feel like you're going out um and you might not identify with that as well but it obviously is super 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 popular and that's yeah, but, why these... but 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 the reason you sit in a restaurant is because you can't get anywhere else like you're the restaurant you have to sit near the kitchen because that's where your food comes from. Now there's no need for you to sit near the kitchen, right? You could take your food, step into the fridge and go sit in the most scenic spot you can imagine. Oh, weird eat. to think about, but people, you're creating a world in which someone like David who suffers from FOMO terribly, like all of a sudden it's like, all I'm doing is eating the best chicken sandwich, but I'm missing out. I could be eating it. I could be eating the best burger and I could be, at the Grand Canyon, but I'm only on this beach, you know, and like, like he'll just, he just, he will like freak out. And not. I don't think so. Like, I think that because the opportunity isn't temporary, it's people, not missing out. Right. So, because, well, okay. Here's what I mean is people, the reason they go to restaurants, you say, yeah, cause you, they want a night out though. Like they go and like a couple goes and they like this restaurant and they're looking forward and they pick out a delicious appetizer and like they sit there for a while. Maybe they order one or two drinks. They pay way overpriced and they know it's overpriced and they complain that it's overpriced, but they don't care because they want to sit down and be waited on. And it's a whole, they spend two hours when they could easily just, you know, anyone can eat in like 15, 20 minutes. If you're just talking about food in going into mouth until you're full. So why are they doing this? Like, I really think people want, and they, they, they like the ridiculous decor at all these restaurants. So yeah, I, sure. I, that's I, fine. But why does it have to be isolated to one location? Like for the same reason, like, let me ask you, you propose the ultimate date night is, you know, going and having a nice dinner and then going to a play. How often are the restaurant and the play the same building? Right, almost not. never. Right, and, so but, are you saying imagine, be best Boothopolis, which is like a cool theme that doesn't <laughs> even serve doesn't even serve food, but you can reserve a table <laughs> or a booth, per, perhaps, or perhaps restaurants stop, like, like restaurants don't have to be a contiguous building in the same way we said that your bedroom could be on a mountain and you know your living room could be overlooking the ocean, like maybe the restaurant you have some greeting area and then you have the kitchen and wherever that's you know near the farmland or produce or whatever and then you just teleport it out to a very scenic location and that's where the seating is so it could still be yeah, a night out okay. you know, for, but it for would the, still be associated with the restaurant you're saying like we reserve yeah. people who order food from our restaurant to sit at this different spot but it's not just like because it wouldn't feel special to me to be in a big room where they've ordered this person's ordered different food from different restaurants and like like i don't know i feel weirdly that I feel strong what? about so, this. So, so if you were, if you wanted, you know, some lobster, you wanted a nice lobster meal, 
and you walked into your you typed in the lobster restaurant greeting room into your refrigerator you walk through and it was this beautiful greeting you know entry dark wood foyer whatever fancy low lighting and they said oh welcome uh to lobster town that's the fancy that's the name of the fancy fancy restaurant lobster town (laughs) and you know they say oh table for two all right excellent you're gonna have some delicious lobster tonight right this way and you know they walk you into another refrigerator and you come out into this beautiful location maybe it's on a plateau overlooking in a scenic vista in a valley of green lush trees or something like that and they seat you in this booth but but unbeknownst to you this restaurant company they own lobster town and they own spaghetti town and they own taco town which you may have heard of Uh, they own all of these different towns and you're sitting in a booth and you look over and someone else is eating spaghetti or tacos or what you saying that bothers you because it's not a lobster restaurant yeah i am or i mean a seafood you know like whatever there yes i'm saying that if if it was one establishment and i i I don't know why i'd have to unpack why i'm actually just guessing that most people not me specifically what that's bizarre i don't think you're right about that like why do you care what the people in the booth next to you are eating I'm like, saying because you're weirdly you go to a restaurant for this collective night out experience and and you're not obviously what? not no, dining. You don't you don't go out for a collective experience. You go out for a personal experience. Yes, but you don't want an empty restaurant. Like why do you not want sure, an empty but, restaurant? But there are no. But this isn't an empty restaurant. It's just it's a full restaurant. Just people are eating different things. I'm saying. Why, you do. Wait. Why do you why do you like Cheesecake Factory? Don't they have like a huge variety of foods? And yeah, you know, you're sitting that, at your table eating your flatbread pizza, and someone else is sitting at their table eating their roasted. Yeah, that salmon. doesn't bother me because it's all under the Cheesecake Factory thing, and they they did something impressive and made a menu with a bunch of stuff. So like, you know, I'm just like, wow, okay, like, so I accept. Like, obviously, you can order different things on a menu, and the menu might be vast, but I would be kind of annoyed if someone had gotten Moe's when was sitting next to me in uh in the cheesecake factory like they didn't they're not we're all here as cheesecake factory patrons and like we yeah, earned yeah. this we earned this night out like this is our well, night out so, you're infringing right. upon it like there's a weird thing about that i, don't, I just ah, don't so, think they would open up beautiful booths and let anyone sit there who got their taco bell and, and right, well, then, you know uh, like, look i'm not i'm not saying well maybe i don't know what the marketplace would look like maybe someone would open up boothopolis <laughs> again i love our names company names <laughs> so creative booth maybe maybe they would open up Boothville that you know sits on a ridge overlooking a Hawaiian waterfall or something, yeah, and it's just yeah. such prime location that they'd you don't have to be a restaurant owner to make money from that location. You just say, Okay, restaurants, you can deal with us and send your people here and they can eat in this. Would it be location. weird? And all you do is you have condiments ready because you don't want it because people go, Oh, can I get some ranch? and they don't gonna go back to the other restaurant. So, your, your, your deal is to have booths, silverware. And like yeah. pretty much any condiment. Well, what if you what if like you have a restaurant but no kitchen because people get sent there, you know, from Lobster Town's kitchen or whatever, and then all you you have waiters and waitresses, but you know they're just there to refill drinks and bring silverware and that yeah. kind of thing. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> but but I I'm trying you, to tie oh, wait, into so, the psychology of the night out. So so, you're so all let, there wait, let me ask. And you've so earned I, that experience. You're paying for it. You're like, and you're all collectively in that. I don't know, but I'm just saying that it but, would but, be. Go ahead. So the annoyance that you experience from you know you get your delicious fancy lobster meal in front of you, and you look over to your right, 
and you see the guy unwrapping the foil on his Moe's burrito, and you're yeah. like, ugh. But then you look over to the left, and you see the world's most beautiful waterfall with dolphins frolicking in the bay. Like, where does your annoyance sit? You know, are you net positive <laughs> or net negative? It? Like, I'm just Obviously wondering. for me, I'm net positive, but I'm trying to ask, what is it about culinary experiences and their relationship with exclusivity? Like, or or like... You go to a fancy restaurant and you're like, you made it. You 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 got in and you're dressed up a little, or or I don't, like, and and you get the booth that's nicer than some of the others, and you feel a little good because you're not sitting right next to the kitchen door where everyone's coming in and out, and you're like, oh, poor suckers over there with the bad booth. I I'm just trying to tie so, in like some of these intangible. Well, I guess they're tangible, but I just don't understand why these things you're listing could would would be prevented from existing in this other. I'm trying to figure. Society. I'm trying to wrestle with. I'm not even sure what I'm saying either. But like people, how this even even transporting to another spot might not be preferable. There might be a psychological preference to in, in terms of your belief in its freshness. That it's like you can people these open air kitchens are becoming increasingly popular, even in fancy restaurants where you can see the walk and a little flame comes up and you can see and they're like well, you see cool. all these chefs and stuff. Well it's cool yeah. and it gives it's a us spectacle. Like, it's a spectacle. It's fresh, the smells, the sizzling, the it like, has to be yeah, clean. Too. It has to be clean and orderly enough and like and yeah. and like I That's think good. people, the, I think you, we might be getting into a territory that when we're so far removed from our food, like we accept it with fast food because it's in these wrappers, which already makes it feel like weird. Like you're opening, you know, like you open up the plastic, the, any, you know, devices that are sealed, vacuum sealed with plastic and stuff. It's almost like you're doing that with burgers. That's what the, the little greasy wrapper does. Like it's obviously not sealed and all that, but it gives that illusion of like, it's this, uh, package yeah uh, this packaged thing present like, you're opening yeah. a present and um and so i would argue that that's what fast food is the bottom because we have accepted it the complete and utter distance between like whether it's the animals or freshness or anything we're like yeah whatever preserve it as we get it we're paying a dollar and we're getting a burger from mcdonald's whereas i want i like the exclusion of a fancy restaurant and i don't know if you start to move it anywhere, no matter how beautiful the spot is, if other people are also welcome in that, you don't feel like you want it to be exclusive uh, and you want them to have earned it. So you, you want, even if the restaurants, the, the booth is far apart, you almost want it to be reserved for those who went to Lobster Town. Um, only other people at Lobster Town or perhaps a few equally fancy ones, what maybe. If, what if they made them stalls, like little private rooms? You remember how, again, when we were in japan and we ate the little uh kaiseki meals or whatever they were in their own isolated little rooms yeah well imagine that but now like you know when you arrive through the refrigerator you know it's like a hall a low lighting hallway or whatever with a bunch of doors it looks kind of like a hotel hallway or something obviously decorated really nicely and they just take you that your your waitress or hostess or whoever walks you down oh here we are number seven this is yours and they open the door and there's your box seat, you know, table or whatever, and with the view to the waterfall and the dolphin bay. And you have no idea, unbeknownst to you, someone else is chowing down on chili dogs, you know, <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. next booth. Uh, but I could know that it's happening. Uh, yeah. Um, I think, 
I think that works. And I also think that that is a limited dining experience that people wouldn't generally want. They weirdly want to feel like they're going out and being around people, even though they're not talking to them. That's the weird Uh, thing. That's why you reacted strongly that I don't understand this collective dining. I eat differently than you. I just eat differently. Like the things you're saying are foreign to me. Yeah. I'm not even saying I fully endorse this. I just actually believe this is... I wish we could talk to a massive group of people. I just want to I want to hear... We are. We are talking to a massive group of people. <laughs> so... Like 10. <laughs> so... <laughs> what I'm saying is... Why, people are unnerved if the restaurant's empty and they're annoyed if it's overcrowded and they're not comfortable. If it's, you know, like elbow to elbow with people. So they oh. want to... And the reason like why do people want to go out and like and to eat at a restaurant and why are they willing to pay i'm gonna push back just a little bit are people really annoyed when the restaurant is empty like if their food is just as good and their service is just as good and it's prompt and well a good value are people really annoyed when the restaurant is empty i don't think they're actively gonna um blame the restaurant but i bet you i'm very confident in this assertion that like if you were to say they were the only couple and we, we, we took 10 couples that went while empty and 10 cu- couples were what I would consider prime crowd where it was a lively restaurant but like you know didn't affect bad so it didn't make service go bad and it wasn't super crowded and then we got their feedback I just believe very much that the the lively restaurant scores would be higher and they're like are, overall people are weird man. I feel I feel I, I hate that I actually don't I can't back this up that well because I might be talking out of my butt and be completely wrong but I'm I feel very strongly that yeah that would consistently read across all the and like yeah, I mean it's plausible like I don't I don't it's hard for me to say whether I think people or not like the it's about this illusion of meaning and feeling like you went out and did something and you participated in society looks, and stuff no, like that I'd, that's so foreign to, uh, what are you participating <laughs> in you're sitting at a table eating your meal why do people go to restaurants to get food? But it's not. I think it's like one. It's like. But you're not interacting. You're not interacting with the other tables. So, like, when you say to go out and be social, is it just being seen? I think that there are nights. I think think the the lion's share of people who even go out uh, for a night with their friends and drinking and go to a club and stuff may or may not talk to some someone they don't know, but are actually are less likely. Like overall, most people don't talk to someone new. They just kind of go out with their friends and they talk with their friends. So then the question is, why did you even go out at all? Like to pay for overpriced drinks. And like, I do, I think it's just this. A valid question. F- f- well, and the answer, which is not super satisfactory to you at least, is like, yeah, this feeling of participation and you feel like you belong in some way, like you did something social. You didn't just stay in and waste a night. You went out and like well, part- I, so I, underst- <laughs> I, I understand the experience of doing an event with friends and t- putting your body in a different location and exposing yourself to different circumstances in that respect, going out, I understand it's a different, like you are you are exposing yourself to other opportunities by going out. I get that; that makes sense. But this idea of the fact that even if like if you go out and talk to and interact with no one but your group of friends, that that's a significantly different experience than if you go out and there is no one else around you, but you're still having the same quality discussion with your friends and all that, I don't see that big of a difference. That seems strange to me that 
one would be fulfilling and the other would be unfulfilling. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as saying unfulfilling. I'm saying that in the feedback for that restaurant, let's say people in the crowded or the lively restaurant, they got an eight in the same restaurant, they might get like a six and a half or a seven uh, score wise. This is my like a full point, point and a half difference um, uh, of enjoyment. So like people, when they're picking a bar to go to, they don't want to typically go to I mean, how often? I mean, it's pretty common to be like, "Ah, oh, this place is dead." Let's yeah, but go a bar is else. different. A bar yeah, is different. Right. Bars is so that you go to a bar to talk to the strangers around. Uh, that's stuff. what's funny is yes, or at least you're suggesting you're open to it. But uh, more often than not, I'd say people don't talk to. Uh, well, so well, I don't. I don't. Know. I, don't I mean, I don't go to. Bar, I don't go to bars, so I'm not thinking about that. But if I'm thinking about Lobster Town, I'm thinking about a nice fancy dinner like me and a date going to a fancy dinner yeah like when i imagine my ideal situation it's a quiet place where i don't have to deal with other tables being noisy or listening to our conversation i don't have to deal all of that is eliminated like this private booth overlooking a beautiful scene that sounds ideal without interacting with other people. That sounds uh, perfect. That's for sure true, especially on a romantic night. So I'm not saying that that is not in the cards. Um, that's not in the cards for. I mean, that that, that 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 experience is something people would enjoy, and I would too. And there's just no doubt. So I wouldn't even push back on that. I'm just saying that, like, uh, the you, if if I went to visit you and you took me to a burger place, like. I'm saying that the enjoyability is upped in some intangible amount or a point to a point and a half based on like if it were just dead and you and me and kind of almost were like, you know, I mean, they weren't paying attention to us, but it's just quiet and weird in there versus, you know, kind of a lively little place. And we're not going for romance, you know, at least I'm not in this scenario. Of course not. Right, right, right. And so, but no, I would just like, I don't know. I feel like we went out and did something. Whereas I, I'm less likely to say, "Oh, we went out and did." Something. I was like, "Yeah, we went to that place. It was dead." It would feel. I'm all, what people are saying was like, "Well, when it's dead, they're almost saying like I didn't get my societal fulfill, fulfillment or something." I, I don't know. I know I'm not explaining it well, but I, yeah, I think well, I'm I tapping I, onto some into something. I mean, I think you're probably I stand right. By it. <laughs> well, I think you're you're probably right just because it fits with the general incomprehensibility of people. That- <laughs> that i have but i don't understand i can i will say i don't understand what you're saying and like (laughs) like going out to get like like when you say a point or a point and a half i'm thinking like what like if you have the most delicious amazing burger if i if you and i went to a burger restaurant and had just a phenomenal burger if we had okonomiyaki right the amazing meal it was an amazing experience for you but the restaurant was dead like, I think the psychology the, the of the away, approval, the approval, like people like this place versus maybe they don't, and maybe uh, there's something wrong with maybe maybe I shouldn't enjoy this as much. I don't know. Uh, Do you see what I'm saying? Just, like, like so I no, taste I see the same thing, I, but if it's kind of crowded and people around me all seem to be enjoying themselves, it's just like yeah. So I yeah, see what you're saying. But, yeah. So I, I see what you're saying there, and it, that makes sense. You know, if you're walking around downtown you're looking for a place to eat dinner you're not going to choose the restaurant that's deserted when there's another restaurant that's really hopping next door yeah right? yeah that's ex- that's so, really what so I'm I, I understand so so that's logical that makes sense but it only makes sense in a world where we don't have teleporting refrigerators 
Like in a world where we have teleporting refrigerators and you can cultivate an environment that is quiet and isolated and also high quality and desirable and competitive, like That's maybe it just maybe it just takes a, a while for you to adjust your assessment of the place. But I see what you're saying. I, I mean, I would have the same response under normal circumstances. I'm just trying to think like, I think like when I, when I actually get into that deserted restaurant and I have good service and a lively, you know, waiter who, who has a good personality and they suggest me a delicious meal and it comes out promptly and it's delicious and it's good value. Like when I walk out of that deserted restaurant, do I regret going in because it was deserted? No, I probably think, wow, that was way better than I expected. Like, and it, it was empty. Like I probably am thinking this is a bonus. Yeah, I think people will go, ah, too bad it's empty because that was an awesome place. But, I mean, I still think people like it, I think. Um, I also have to think about people do go out for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes they're like, obviously live music attracts. I actually get annoyed if I'm having a meal and the band sets up and starts playing because I can't hear. It's like, all right, there's the end of discussion and all that. But the reason restaurants do this is because they make lots of money when they have live music and because the meaning people like this and they come and they listen. So there's, there's that experience. There are just restaurants that are louder. And like, I mean, my mom ambient noise really affects her ability to hear. Like if there's a, yeah, a sink too. running. Yeah. Well, all of us, first of all, but like she, she's pretty in a restaurant, she just cannot hear. And, and if it's a, if you just picture your, your, typical hipster restaurant it's a little loud maybe has like an echoey like a a floor that's like or a ceiling that's a rafter type and everything's bouncing around all the sounds and it's just and maybe a lot of silverware sounds like it's difficult and then maybe the music's a little louder than your typical restaurant i don't know um it's all kind of environment yeah i mean so so but people people seek out those type of places frequently um and then then there's ones that make efforts to do the booth thing and more private and stuff. So it's clear that it's not easy to gauge why people go out. So, so therefore teleportation stuff is awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I don't know. I, throughout this whole discussion, I still can't decide whether the world with teleporting refrigerators is amazingly better or dystopically bad or, or what? Like, I don't know. It could go wrong. It could go right. I guess with any piece of technology, it takes a while for us to learn how to use it. Yeah, and you know, as the wise Tommy Wiseau has said, regardless oh, yeah. of technology, if the world world would love each other, love each other, love each other, if world, everyone love each other, if everyone love each other, the world would be a better place. World would be a better place. It's true. Wiser words have never been spoken. I mean. He, it's it's deeply true the world would be a better place if everyone loved each other and and yeah and then teleportation would just would be better <laughs> that's true one one last thing i want to examine what does crime what does this do like to people how does this affect it's going to affect economies it's going to affect infrastructure does it affect crime or is it kind of not Sadly, not really do anything to crime. I mean, other well, than opportunities to hack. Obviously, well, think that's about. There, but I mean, like I think response that, uh, times. That's a big deal. Cop response times. That's, like yeah, and, that's interesting. And yeah, ambulance could, and. I mean, you could have p- police or firemen or whoever EMTs 
standing by, standing in front of their refrigerators, and all they have to do is receive a call, type in the destination, and go. So that's yes. pretty revolutionary. That'd be huge. Um, that would be huge. That's actually, I didn't think about that, but that's gigantic. But with respect to crime, you know, the, the changes in home architecture and the reduced necessity for living in a city, if you're wealthy enough anyway, um, means that, you know, you could have a house that's less accessible from the road or from the outside. You don't need doors, as you pointed out, necessarily. I mean, you, you will have doors, but it seems it, it seems like you would have fewer entryways into your home, and this teleportation device would be one, and no one can come in that you don't want because you could just turn it off, you know, or, or hang it up or put on your voice whatever the equivalent of voicemail is for for personal visits via teleportation <laughs> and no one would be able to get in <laughs> yeah. um, but that also you, we also mentioned hacking you know what if a criminal could hack into your device and and, and you know a teleport to your home into your home that would be kind of crazy what yeah what tell me if this sounds right I, I remember hearing this somewhere and i don't know where but like it isn't in terms of crime and deterrence it isn't the severity of the punishment that's going to deter you from crime it's the likelihood you, you believe you'll be caught uh that's much more likely to deter you from committing crimes than sense, yeah. than just saying oh we're gonna chop off your hand if you're caught well if they don't think they're gonna get caught like it doesn't matter what the punishment is it's all about the, the likelihood of being caught and so yeah, We'd, crime is a, a lot of times it's impulsive, and so you know you're not thinking about the long term consequences. You're thinking short term. Can yeah, I get you, away with this? Can now? I get away? Right, right. And so let's take that as truth. I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, if with teleportation, you really could increase the at least the perception of being caught, and I think the the actual statistics of being caught quickly. And so therefore, you actually would curb crime because you'd be going right to the heart of like motivation and 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 hurting their motivation because you know we try legislatively i think to be hard hard on crime but you don't see it, that go down a whole lot because like uh you know well yeah I, yeah perplexingly what we do is yeah we maybe we make harsher sentences or, or whatever but but then we we have fewer police and really the opposite would be better right because if you if there are more police and you think you're more likely to get caught you know, if what right. you're saying is true then you'd be less likely to commit a crime regardless of the the sentence if you were to get caught so but right. like for what, what you're saying with respect to response time response time goes down significantly which is revolutionary but so does escape time you know yeah like if the criminal could you know break in or hack in however he enters your home grab the most valuable things open your refrigerator beep, beep, boop, and then get out especially if he has the ability to wipe the history or whatever well, you know, how it doesn't matter how fast you call the police at that point. It's over. I'm wondering about these sort of, um, oh, a crime's being committed and oh. police have the ability to lock down teleportation <laughs> devices, stuff like that, in the area, you know, within this, like, five-mile area. And then do you have to deal with that crazy. a lot? Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, also think, too, that, like, again, distance is no longer a factor. So, you know, in the United States, we have cities like, Baltimore or LA or New York where crime uh, Chicago where crime is horrendous well now you could doesn't matter where you live you could potentially have a criminal from any of those locations yeah that's trying to rob you like, that, that's actually that's why I've often wondered well yeah good neighborhoods how come they're good when people have cars like 
you know, and could just drive over and commit crimes. But it really is like crime. I wonder. I wonder if if you all of a sudden these they become more grand in their aspirations of crime, or if they just continue to like rob people right around them. Like really, even even with teleportation, I just wonder if they just continue to yeah. rob local a lot more locally. I, I'm yeah, being serious. It's just like, like I, no, I think they right. might. I might continue to just rob locally, or or try yeah. to assert some sort of dominance within a group. Like oftentimes, mm-hmm. I like I wonder about the robbing. To what do, there's there's probably more than one reason to rob someone. It's not just to get money. But it could also be like to send a message of power intimidation. or something. So intimidation. Yeah. And so like, what's the point of intimidating someone way far away? You want someone within your neighborhood to know who's who's. The powerful one. So yeah, sure, that's right. If that's your reason, then that. But I don't. Be... But I don't know. Is that actually the reason people? Is that a legitimate factor that goes into I mean, robbing I'm and just, stuff? So I mean, I imagine most of the time it's simply crime of opportunity. I want your stuff. Yeah, uh, it's not a very intellectual crime, but but you know, there's some benefit to knowing your surroundings, knowing the neighborhood, knowing your environment, and and you know, if it is crime of opportunity then the opportunities are what's nearby you know it's what's around you but but now if the opportunity spreads worldwide and you can just teleport anywhere like why why wouldn't you just teleport to sweden rob someone's house and then teleport back to wherever you know you live like it just seems like now the police like investigators like imagine csi in a world where the 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 suspect could be from anywhere in the world it just becomes crazy right (laughs) yeah no it's tough well it makes you think i bet most robbers don't identify as robbers they're just someone who (laughs) no yeah like but but the second you're but the second you're doing identify as a robber (laughs) (laughs) i just mean that it's not part of their identity it's like they saw an opportunity and they're someone who's just committed a robbery they just like were walking along and saw this unlocked car and they took what was in it in order yeah. to say I'm going to go find this find a machine pick a place like I think you're having to identify a little more be more deliberate and not that's just true. opportunistic so um, that's a good point I think you're right about that that's a good psychological insight that's true I think so anyway so I just wonder if how, yeah I'd, I'd like to see the stats on that like what to what robbers are how like right now robbers are how likely to be close to the home that they robbed and then how much would that change um not just in terms of miles away from the home but just statistically are you still as likely to rob someone in your 20 mile radius or outside of that um i mean so. i bet it's overwhelmingly local yeah me too and how and would it still be overwhelmingly local um i mean with the i guess you're right I mean, it would. Well, maybe it would. Maybe they would be more likely to go to disparate locations, and then have an opportunity, and then rob something local to where they are at that moment. But yeah, if they're sitting in their teleporter room, you know, they're not going to be thinking about all the possible locations they could go rob. Unless they are just planning. Unless a they are. Unless they are identifying as a robber. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. All right, I'm tired. I just realized, like, yeah, yeah. Well, but I think we should do it. it. I think we should get teleportation machines. That's just, yeah. I'm on. I would, I would take that. Uh, <laughs> you would um, be willing to try it out? 
Yeah, it, it, even I if would it take that you superpower had to, and that drawback. <laughs> even if it meant you had to eat at a restaurant table without any other restaurant tables around you, I think I, think I would take overlooking the, the beautiful, you know, vista in front of you, the sunset and the birds flying think, in the air. I'd manage. I think you'd probably survive. Yeah. All right. Well, that was fun. Uh, I have. Uh, I think I, ha- I have a list of some other technology things that you know would change the world and we could discuss what they would do yeah, and i think maybe we'll do that in future episodes give it a name name the segment like something catchy because my uh, brain is, yeah. I'll, I'll have to think of something catchy i didn't think of something like that the the heading i wrote down was technology effects of sci-fi things introduced today which That's let's be honest isn't, isn't a very catchy <laughs> title <laughs> pithy rolls off the tongue it's clever <laughs> yeah it's it's the t-e-o-s-t-i-t yeah the tios tit <laughs> i said did you say t-i-t at the end yeah, the, yeah. Tit. things introduced today technology introduced today the tit segment that's yeah that's good. i like that now we're on to something technology now, introduced now we're today. getting closer technology introduced today ready oh. for some tits ready for some t- it's time for tit <laughs> All right. Well, I think we have made some headway there. Uh, All right. Good stuff. <laughs> all right. Well, that was fun. Do 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 do